saying Share Lloyd by Share Lloyd or Rebecca G. Then. And don't forget all the trouble we got until. Why does somebody not know how to flush a toilet after they've had a shit? Well, I was fucking one of yes. Disgusting! You know, I don't want to be all judgmental, you know, but this is sick. It's sick and wrong. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to the sick or not? The sick and wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Simon. Akatung, motherfuckers, I'm Kate Rambo. Kate, what is yes. going on across the pond these days? It's crazy. You, you guys have racist royals. You have cops kidnapping and murdering young women. You have men who, if they violate curfew, could be castrated. What's going on over there? Well, the curfew isn't coming into effect. And, well, I don't think it is, and I hope it isn't, because I love the men's. I don't want to go to female-only bars. If I want to go to female-only bars, I would go to lesbian bars, but I don't. I like the men's. I want the sausage. I want it hanging around. But just what's, what's going on with all this violence? Like, I understand you guys idolize our culture, and, but you can't be us. It's not going to happen. So I for I mean, firstly... Over here, football's called soccer, and it's a sport played by women. Um, secondly, <laughs> you guys don't have any guns. No, but we have Stab City. You, you do have Stab City, but you don't have guns. We've got Stab City. No, no. Well, you know, there are guns here. There are gun crimes that Isn't occur. That um, I was reading here that uh, U.S. civilians alone account for 393 million, 46% of the worldwide total of civilian-held firearms. That's... 120.5 point fire, firearms for every 100 residents. That is madness. That's, <laughs> that's like more, more, than two, more than two guns in each household. Per person, yeah. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You guys got some catching up to do. You're going to need some guns if you want to get Bring our in, violence you know statistics. What? In a world where women can't even walk around a city at 9 p.m. at night with their headphones in, yes, take the men off the street. They have well, been the problem all along, and I, I'm ready for it to just be a woman-only society now. I'm ready for it, D. Well, I wonder how that would affect the stats here. I was reading in the UK, among women aged 18 to 24, 97%, 97% have said they've been sexually harassed, while 80% of all ages said they've experienced sexual harassment in public spaces. So, but what do you mean by sexual harassment? This is what I'd ask. Because a boy gone, you're looking good tonight, baby. Because that's not harassment to me. That's a compliment. Well, I don't know. Maybe you've been like you. your ass pinched or something. Yeah, that's different. That's never happened to me. I've never Have you ever been sexually harassed? No, not that I'm aware of. Frankly, if I'm walking past a building site and the, the builder shouts something at me, I don't take it in a bad way. I think they have taken the time out of their busy work schedule to notice me and shout you something about how it. I look that day. And I appreciate it because one day, one day the black magic is going to dry up and I'm going to look back on those times and wish that more men had showered at me from building sites. <laughs> you, I'm going to wish you, for it. You wish that you had more sexual harassment. I wish for it because I, tell you what, I don't find it oppressive. You know, whatever. Shout, shout shit at me. I don't, I don't take it personally. Do well, the, you so like, boys? The whole deal here is a white woman was abducted and went missing in the UK, and everyone's freaking out about it. 
Um, whereas there's people of color that go missing all the time. Exactly. Eh, who cares? But Sarah Everard um, was abducted and murdered um, on the streets of uh, London, right off the streets of London, by a bobby, by a police officer. They found she out. Was, she was taken. Allegedly. And whether or not, yeah, whether or not um, he has killed more is up for debate. But I reckon he did the old serial killer trope, which is like a favorite of the Boston Strangler and Ted Bundy used to do it, you know, where you would flash your card and say, hey, hey, like, I need you to come down to the station with me. We've got something to discuss. We think you're a witness to something. And she got in his car. Like, you should never get in a stranger's car, even if they say the the police. I'd be like, you come round to my house with a warrant and then you can take me. But she was just too trusting, as usually murder victims yeah, are. Yeah, but was case. he using his authority, though? Did he come out I think with he a, probably a badge and be like, you need to get in my car, I'm taking you downtown or something? I think he will have done, because most, what, 99.9% of anyone isn't getting in someone else's car when they just pull up and say, we need to take come with us, baby, are they? Yeah, I don't so know. I, I mean, I think it would probably... Authority. I think it would work in the, U- in the UK. I don't think that would work over here. Definitely it might not in the cities. I don't know. Not in London. I don't think it would have worked. I think he probably would have abused well, his power. So she, uh, Sarah Everard, 33-year-old, um, she left a friend's home in the Clapham neighborhood of London. Is the Clapham neighborhood of London a shithole? Yes, it's a shithole. So it's sketchy. Is it like Brixton? Uh, it's ca- Yeah, kind of the same level of like, because parts of Brixton are fine, parts aren't. So would you leave uh, this neighborhood at 9 p.m.? walk a 50 minute walk back to your home or would you have taken a lift or something can i also point out that we're supposed to be in a kind of lockdown at the minute and we're not supposed to be going around to friends houses yeah but maybe so she, she was already small... breaking she was already breaking the kind of like lockdown rules by well, maybe going it's a small bubble house. that's what we can do here yeah she small could, um, be a bubble boy she can, but they doubt it but whatever like yeah She's gone. She's been picked up. So she was picked up by who they allege was a 48-year-old serving police officer named Wayne Cousins. Uh, This guy, Wayne Cousins, which I don't know if you guys do background checks over there in the UK for the Bobbies, but just like, I don't know, a couple months ago, he was arrested twice for indecent exposure in a McDonald's. He's a cop pulling his dick out in the McDonald's. Over the fries. It's not the type of breakfast sausage I want to see. Hey, <laughs> but yeah, like what the fuck? How's this guy? Listen to this guy. He was a mechanic at an auto repair business, and now he's like pulling his dick out at a McDonald's, and they're like, "Oh, you can be a Bobby now." Is that is there just no background check? That's obviously how it is at the minute. I don't know the integral workings of the police over here, but clearly, it has worked for him. So it's maybe kind he of- lied. You just don't know. It's kind of become like a uh, Me Too thing over there. So women are just infuriated by this abduction. It's actually not the women who I've found to be more infuriated. It's been the men's. A lot of men's I know have been posting on their Instagram stories about things they can do to make women feel safer on the streets. Like uh, walk across the street rather than walk behind them? Like if they're... Yes. Yeah, across the street, do stuff. You know, you've got to educate the men's. This is what my men's... I know have been posting that men need better education about how to respect women. Do you think your men's male friends here are just trying to get laid? Some of them are definitely virtue signaling. Yes. Some of them are definitely white knighting. Uh, I also think it's hilarious because your odds of being murdered are so fucking low. So fucking low. I think you've got more chance of being struck by lightning 
So what, are we going to have a, a curfew on lightning every time that happens? Like, well, I think, there's always know, I think be what they're murderers. trying to do is curb the, uh, just the sexual harassment, which there seems to be quite a bit over there in the UK. It's the land of slap and tickle. And some of us don't mind a bit of a slap and tickle, but it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the generation below me. They, they're, they're all the wild about this. The Gen, I'm the, blaming the Gen Z. The Gen Z's over there. So anyway, there are, the Gen Z's are like protesting. I'm sure there's a lot of millennial women protesting as well. And so there's a protest that was scheduled, but they shut it down. Like take back the night protest. It was shut down because you're not allowed to gather right now because of COVID. So then there was another one that was like an illegal protest. And the cops came there and just there's pictures of them like tackling women and holding them down. There is. Which, yeah, which has caused yeah. even further outrage. Absolutely, especially after International Women's Day, which has <laughs> taken part as well. But yeah, it, also, it doesn't look like uh, they took the best care here in this situation. No, it was, yeah, it's illegal to go out. We've got to think at the minute COVID does come first. We can all fucking riot for better rights for women after that, can we not? Well, can I think we... they're trying to be timely with a vigil, you know. Of course, you can be timely with it, but like, we should also be focused on fucking stopping the COVID so that we can have the bars back so more of us can get oppressed. That's what I want. I just think women need to be armed. Just more guns in London. This will solve the situation. Look how well it's worked out here. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. All women in the UK should be given a gun. Not the men's, the women should all be given a gun. And if we feel that a man is oppressing us, it should be within our rights to just, just shoot, to shoot them yeah. yeah, I want one of those cute, like, you know, those pearl handles, tiny little revolvers. That like a little 22 or something, yeah. Yeah, that they used to keep in their garters. I want one of them. Well, maybe there I'm could be like a five-second rule. It's like, you're harassing me. You got five seconds before I shoot you in the balls. That This is the future I want for all of the Five-second rule for uh, har- harassing men's. Yes, for the, from stop the men's harassing you, shoot you in the balls. I, like I mean, it. I don't know if that would have worked out over here. There's protests going on right here, like in the U.S. as well. But, I mean, the thing is with us, it's like abductions, murders, eh, happens all the time. Mass shootings. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, the past year, due to COVID, definitely been like uh, you know lowered number of uh, mass shootings because no one's gathering anywhere. Um, but, you know, the tide's changing on that. We're getting back into normalcy here. Mass shootings are making a comeback. Um, Good, this I've past week, them. Yeah, this past week, there was the, uh, a mass shooting at these Atlanta-area spas. Eight people were, were murdered. Um, a gunman killed six Asian women and two others in attacks on these spas across the uh, metropolitan Atlanta area. And now there's protests in the, U- in the U.S. about the surge in violence against people of Asian descent, which this past year, there definitely has been an uptick in violence against Asians. I don't know if it has to do with like the racism due to coronavirus, the previous administration, I'm sure. Of course um, it does. But there definitely yeah. seems to be an, a, a surge in violence against people of Asian descent. So people are protesting that right now. Um, but this week, this gunman who kind of, you know, he's bringing back the mass shootings, you know, got to get back on the horse there, um, sent shockwaves through the country, you know, with this, uh, this spree shooting that murdered six Asian women. So this guy here, his name is Robert Aaron Long. And I got to say, he's one of the lamest spree shooters I've ever seen. Same. There is nothing redeemable about this man. No, he's so lame. He, he's facing charges of eight counts of murder 
and the death penalty if he's uh, if he's convicted. Um, so what happened here? Long, I guess. So this happened. All right, he went out, did a mass shooting. Seemed to have targeted these massage parlors where these Asian women um, work, and so people have claimed that this is a hate crime. I think because they're tying it into this surge in violence against Asian people have been happening. Now, the question is, is it a hate crime? Is it not a hate crime? Is it just a mass shooting because this guy, you know, is, uh, you know, remorseful for having a sexual addiction? And so they've been getting mixed messages from the authorities. You know, they've been giving mixed messages to the media about what actually happened. My, my favorite is the... Uh, the uh, captain here in Atlanta was criticized for saying the suspect just had a bad day, all right? He had a bad day, goes out and shoots some Asian hookers, all You know, right? that's what happens when you have a bad day. Sometimes <laughs> I'll have a bad day and I'll lean on someone's neck until he dies. And that's my bad day. And now they're saying that uh, he's a sex addict and so the shootings were not a hate crime. He just, you know, he just targeted different massage parlors where, you know, he's, he's received unhappy endings. Very unhappy you know? endings if you're going to go and start shooting them up. I love I love this too, though. As they're talking about these massage parlors, authorities are like reluctant to say that they're involved in sex work. Like all the uh, the victims here, well, we can't really say for sure that they're involved in sex work. Okay, but these massage parlors are open 24 hours? <laughs> you know, what, what's happening over here? And these also, all of these Atlanta spas... Um, when the shootings occurred, were previously targeted by police and undercover sting operations. Okay. Where an officer paid for a massage and the employee offered a sex act. So, I mean, it's pretty what obvious. It like? um, but, you know, now the uh, the media here is uh, saying, are pushing back on the, the, the authorities saying that this is like not, you know, related to any kind of racial bias. And so they're, they're calling for solidarity with Asian Americans. They're saying it's racially motivated violence, and that's why we're having all these protests. So what happened here? This is just this past Tuesday. Um, Long, the gunman, was seen exiting Young's Asian Massage Parlor in Ackworth, Georgia. He then sat in his car for over an hour outside before entering the business and shooting to death four people inside. So two Asian women, a white woman, a white man. Apparently the white woman and the white man were there for a couple's massage. Not you sure think that. he had buyer's remorse <laughs> after he came back out? And he was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go in and do it. You know, possibly. And that's what I'm saying. I think he got an unhappy ending. Yes. But definitely. this guy doesn't seem like a very happy camper. So I imagine all Sometimes it happens though. You, you get the kind of um, sex guilt. Don't you? Sometimes after you've had like a particularly uh, I don't know who you're vicious shagging, round of shagging, sometimes you just feel a bit. Uh, you who know, are you, you feel bringing home like, from oh. the pub? <laughs> Men's with smegma. That's when you wake up next to a ginger, you're having oh, like buyer's remorse. Like, what was oh, it? What was I drinking last night? Please don't remind me. I shagged me of a ginger of that time, <laughs> that one and only time. <laughs> Do you immediately just start barfing? Yeah, I feel sick to my stomach now. Remembering it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this white woman and this white man were there just getting like a couple's massage. I don't. I was As wondering how does. that works at like a late night massage parlor. Does Do you think... like do, does the woman get a happy ending? I'm not sure. I'm thinking, does the woman watch as she massages the her husband's penis? I don't know. Are you in separate rooms? I'm not quite sure how that works. No, no. I think you're definitely in the room together. I've had a couple's massage before. 
but not not with an unhappy not a not a not a, like one of these shady massage parlors <laughs> shady yeah i went uh, no i went it wasn't like a 24-hour massage parlor in the suburbs yeah, of atlanta you were at a spa or somewhere no i was at a spa in like napa valley and we had a couple's massage oh, very um, posh but yeah so uh the guy shot all these people and they laughed and there's a hispanic man who was just like walking into the spa you know ready to get a hand job and just shot right outside he's in critical condition he didn't die and then Long, um, Long got into his black SUV, he fled the scene, and then he headed over to the Gold Spa, and he shot three women there, and they shot another one at the Aromatherapy Spa. All four of these women were Asian. This guy definitely knew like, which spas he was going to go for. Yeah. He should have said that he shot them all because they're all, um, none of them are trained masseuses, and aromatherapy is a, a, a fake science. So he should have gone down that route and said, I was actually, you know, cleaning the streets of fake doctors and fake masseuses. Impossible. I still think he was dissatisfied with the happy ending he got. Maybe she just wasn't, yeah, maybe she just wasn't like as enthusiastic as she should have been. I agree with that. She was just on Instagram the whole time, just wanking him off. (laughs) Not sure. (laughs) Me. (laughs) So he's only 21 years old. Have you seen a picture of him? He looks Amish. He's got this like neck beard he going on. Yeah. He kind of looks like he would also listen to Mudvayne, even though nobody <laughs> has listened to Mudvayne since the year 2002. This is this guy's favorite band. I don't know. I'm thinking this guy listens to like Christian metal or Christian rock. He's like a weirdo no, Christian. I, think, I know, no, but I think he's got a secret side to him, obviously, and I definitely think he likes listens to Mudvayne and Pantera. You think he's a juggalo in his spare time? I think, no, he's... He, Obviously, Juggalo is very sexually charged, and he can't handle it. But I think that's what it's like. So uh, three hours after this uh, shooting spree began, so he went and killed everybody, and they took off. State troopers and sheriff's deputies trapped his vehicle on the highway, caused it to spin out of control, and then they took him to jail without incident. Um, So now they're, like, trying to get information about his background, and apparently his parents... His parents just totally identified him to authorities. They're like, that's him. That's there he is, pervert. Yeah. You know? Um, his parents and a former roommate described him as having a sexual compulsion. And he was a sex addict. And he was being treated at an evangelical Christian center called Hope Quest. That that's treats... not gonna treat him of anything, <laughs> are they? They, What are they gonna do? Slam the Bible on his dick until he well, doesn't want to wank anymore. I wouldn't be surprised. They treat sex addiction pornography addiction, and they provide ex-gay therapy services, which you know they that works not, really well. They are not providing <laughs> anyone with jack-fucking-shit. His, uh, he had a roommate here, Tyler Bayless, who shared a room with him at this sober living facility. He described uh, the accused killer as a man torn between an obsession with sex and his conservative faith that considers sex outside of uh, heterosexual marriage to be immoral. He said, quote, he's the type of guy who would hate himself for masturbating. He would consider that a relapse. So <laughs> so this dude had frequented spas for sex. Like he's definitely, I would say, when you're going to spas for sex, like Tinder's not enough, Pornum's not enough, you definitely have a compulsion there. I think there's that's definitely sex addict behavior. And so... Because uh, he had been frequenting these spas, it ruined his relationship that he had. He was dating a woman in Tennessee, but she found out about the spas, and she's like, I'm done. And similarly, his parents then kicked him out of the house for watching porn 
and patronizing the spas. Oh so there's my a word. bit of a grudge here going on here. The next like day, it. after his parents booted him, he went and got a nine millimeter handgun and set about on a killing spree. Right. So there you go. That's the real cause of it. Well, so that's the thing. I mean, is it? He definitely he didn't go after all hookers. He didn't go kill just random strippers. He targeted specifically these Asian massage parlors that he would have been frequenting. He'll and not all the victims were Asian, though. No. But the shooting is coming at a time for, you know, this ongoing alarm here of our violence towards Asians. So, uh, you know, it might be a hate crime. But it, but it is. I mean, this past year, over 4,000 incidents specifically targeted Asians. And Asian women were more likely to be uh, uh, targeted than Asian men. So, I mean, there, there's definitely an why. issue there. Well, yeah. Of course. More vulnerable, but. But, you know, I got to say, this dude is a poor excuse for a spree killer. Label me not impressed. You know, I saw Same. it. And I, well, yeah. I was reading it. I was just like, what a lame ass, like self-hating Christian dork with a porn addiction kills innocent women who are essential workers doing a thankless job to keep society functioning. Think about it. Without these women tirelessly every night giving hand jobs, think about how many other like sexually frustrated Bible thumpers killers. would have taken up arms. You exactly. There would have been a lot more serial killers on the street. Well, these women deserve better. Yeah, a lot of these people, you know, it's like no one's going out, no one's leaving their house during a pandemic. But these women are like essential workers providing a service for society. They are. Releasing a lot of tension, literally. Um, this guy's a feckless cock, like cock-blocking dork is what he, he is. is. You know? Yes. Nowhere near as cool as, as the OG spree killer we're about to discuss. Oh, yeah. Bad boy Billy Cook. Yeah. No, this guy, Billy Cook, I would think could be considered America's first spree killer. I consider him America's first spree killer of the type that we know today. I think Billy was definitely the first. Yeah. I don't think this would really happen. Not to mention, you know, this was in like the early 1950s. There was like a nationwide manhunt. He was like, you know, the the uh, nemesis of the media. He was. You know, you know is the boogeyman. Cool. But yeah, he definitely, you know, is a cool sociopath, tattooed knuckles. Kind of reminds me a bit of like Robert Mitchum's character in Cape Fear. Like that kind of type yeah. of sociopath, you know. And he's Kate's favorite serial killer. Well, Yes, this is my murderer. favorite serial killers. And also one of my favorite film, film noirs which is also the only film noir directed by um, a hardworking dame who was called Ida Lupino, is a 1953 killer called The Hitchhiker. You ever seen it? You know, I've seen parts of that. I've never actually <laughs> watched the whole thing. Is it good? It's, it's good. It's on YouTube for anyone who oh, wants to see it. Check that out. Um, it stars William Talman, who would go on to have to portray the DA in the TV series Perry Mason, which was not a thing over here, but I'm aware of its popular culture icon status but in the hitchhiker he is playing a psychotic frightening psychopath by the name of emmett myers and he is hell-bent for death and destruction the character's mo he's basically killing luckless drivers who offer him a lift he's stealing their automobiles and he earned him the name the hitchhiker slayer in the film you know so, did you ever see the uh they made another hitchhiker movie they the, did with Rucker mid, Hauer. Mid-aughts, yeah, yeah. Was it? No, wait, they made oh, no, one with Rucker Hauer. There is another one called The Hitchhiker with Rucker Hauer. 
I don't know about the other Hitchhiker movie. Is that based on Billy as well? Because this is based on Billy. Uh, no, this is like a... The guy is like a demented hitchhiker that terrorizes four women traveling to Las Vegas. But the one with Rucker Howard, though, what year did that come out? The Hitcher. That is... I the mean, Hitcher. That's in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. That's, it. that's a great yeah. movie, too. I like that one. So this is like definitely one of the first films that was a kind of biopic of a serial killer because they were not common at all back then. The Hitchhiker is like one of the first in the genre, really, because like it started with Fritz, Fritz Lang's classic M, a city searches for a murderer in 1931. Yeah, that's like the first ever kind of film about a serial killer. And Ida Lupino, the, this director of The Hitchhiker, she even went out and she interviewed survivors from the case that she based the movie on. So the hitchhiker is based on a killer that had been dubbed as America's last desperado. It was a man who had pledged to live by the gun and roam. And it was a kid by the name of Billy Cook who blazed a trail of death and terror across 14 states. Let me show a, pi- let me show a picture here. Um, just sharing the screen. So here, here's the movie poster for the hitchhiker. Ida Lupino, who will be his next victim? You? She's a dame. Love Ida Lupino. She's a fantastic <laughs> actress in her own right as well. She had a really crazy long career. Um, here's a scene from it. There he is, the hitchhiker. There he is. The hitchhiker yeah. with the in the back. And there he is. There's Billy Cook. So the you know, nation's you know, Sorry, real quick. You he kind of looks like Justin Timberlake's like older, slightly retarded brother, doesn't he? A little bit in this. He one? looks like Ryan Felipe. He's good looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does kind of. He does look like Ryan Felipe. I think he's very good looking. This is a bad picture. This is when he's young here. He's 17. He's only 17. So the nation's greatest manhunt, it began on the morning of January the 3rd, 1951, with the routine investigation of an abandoned car mired in the mud near Tulsa, Oklahoma. A quick, quick glance into the interior of the car revealed evidence of one of the most shocking crimes in US history, the brutal and senseless slaying of a whole family. In the 12 days that followed, 2,000 peace officers trailed a gun-crazy mad dog terrorist through 14 states and into Mexico, uncovering in his wake six murders and as many kidnappings. But I'm getting a bit of my head of myself. Yeah, but but that's a that's thing, a though. Well, you're foreshadowing. But that's a I'm thing, like, darling. how many events of this type even occurred at that time? Like, a nationwide manhunt? For a, this a, a even, murderer of like of, of, of a mass killing of a family. This I don't would think not it even, even occur now. And it wouldn't even occur now. Well, I doubt they, they would get to the, the lengths they went to to go and catch Billy. I don't think would happen nowadays. I think they would have caught him a lot faster nowadays. They might have. Yeah, typically. But, so Billy Cook, he was born and named William Edward Cook Jr. on December 23rd, 1928 in a shithole shack in absolute abject poverty in Joplin, Missouri. He'd be one of seven seven children that the family couldn't afford to feed or clove. So two days before um, Christmas uh, in 1934, when Billy was an undernourished five-year-old, he also had teeth that were so badly decayed because he would only eat one thing. So he had no teeth and he's like malnourished. What did he only eat? Like treacle um, ribbon biscuits. candy oh, american biscuits, biscuits oh, okay which i still like they're kind of like a roll and a scone aren't they i guess sort like of. in Not britain because sure. we don't have biscuits so like a weird thing i know you can have them with gravy and shit like that but that's all this boy would eat 
So his mother, who Billy was close to, she unexpectedly died. She complained of a headache that day. She'd gone for a nap and she never woke up. Billy would be the one who discovered that his mother wasn't waking up um, because he went in the room a little over an hour after she died. The other siblings were scared. They wouldn't even go in the room. They wouldn't approach their dead mother. But Billy stood by her side. He memorized the icy blue veins under her skin. And he was staring with his one good eye into her lifeless eyes until his father came and shooed him away after a day and a half. This is like Bambi. It is like Bambi. So I mentioned that Billy had a bad eye. So he'd been born with a defective right, right eye, which was like no doubt the result of this family's fine lineage. He would go through the torment of surgery several times throughout his childhood to correct it, but nothing ever worked. Okay, so the lid surgery in like the 1930s to do this on your eyes. Yeah. So how his eye was bad was the lid sat, sat nearly halfway across his eyeball, and he was unable to co- close it completely. He didn't have any control, so he was blind in his right eye. Although this wouldn't handicap his skills with a firearm later on. But did it look like his eye was just open all the time? Like it was permanently just... open. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but it was a dead eye. Like he was a blind dead in eye. That eye. Yeah. We'll get into like what kind of how this affected him later on. But he learned very early on as well that his eye was repulsive to people. And he spent his childhood being known as cockeyed cook. God. Because of this obvious deformity. This kid has like the background that's just guaranteed to produce a sociopath, you know? Of course. He finds his mother's corpse that he's alone with for a while. He's got a, like a defective eye. He's being teased for it. And he's poor. So he gets worse. So Billy's father, <laughs> who he's named after, was a man called William Sr. He was a short and skinning man. And to put it blunt- bluntly, he couldn't fucking cope at all. He was Ooh. never going to win father of the year. So he had been a sharecropper from Weber Falls out in Oklahoma. And since the end of the First World War, he found himself in Missouri and he had worked the mines around Joplin for like meager pay for the long hours of toil. So uh, he'd, he'd returned home. Drunk. Yeah, he was drunk. He had returned home after a day and a half because he would often just disappear for like three, four days. He discovered his wife has died. So this is this man's thinking. Here's my dead wife. Here are my children. So he rounded up his children and he said, we're going to go on a picnic. Mama's going to stay here. She's not going to go on no picnic. And he started gathering up odds and ends for this picnic. So he took some blankets, a box of cornflakes, a flashlight, um, a jar of jam, some crackers, and toilet paper. The oldest girl picked up the youngest baby, and they all climbed into the family automobile, ready for this picnic on the day their mother had died. So he drove them out to a deserted um, lead mine. He ordered them all out. And with the flashlight, he made them follow him into the open cavern. And he said, all of you, get out of here now. You go play in the mine. You can all have a good time here. You stay here. This is and your I'll new come house. Back. <laughs> I'll come back with some cake for you all. Billy, who at this point was eating nothing but biscuits, he didn't want cake. So he followed his father back to the car. His father stared at him. And he made Billy walk back to be with his brothers and sisters. I think he, yeah, Billy Jr. here was onto his father's plan. Oh, I think he was. Wonderful William took the flashlight. He got back in the car and he drove off as twilight descended on the abandoned mine. And just girl, ditched his kids. He ditched his kids, In the mine man. shaft. Where, wait, girl, did he bury the mom at least, his, his wife? Oh, you'll find out what happens oh, okay. to the mom in a bit. Right. So I don't know if there's actually, like a weekend at Bernie's thing going on here. <laughs> 
the kids are the you know the kids are the baby they're they're crying all night the boys gave the blanket to the girls to keep warm so they shivered all night and by sunrise because you know the kids don't understand the concept of rationing they'd eaten nearly all the food and three of the children were outside playing in the lead dust just like they'd been abandoned just waiting for dad to come back with cakes two days later they waited for their father but on the third day, he finally returned. So here was William Sr. again, and he had another box of him, but there wasn't cake inside this box. Inside, there was some bread, a can of Spam, and some milk for the baby. The children reportedly clung to his legs, and he shook them off, saying he would be, go back to town, and he would get them cake, and he would be back very, very soon. But surprise, surprise, he never came back to So you? this time, he split for good. He split for good, and the starving children, they were discovered two days later. Did, did um, they have beds in this mine shaft, and they just sleep on the ground? No, it's just they're sleeping on the ground. They've been abandoned inside of a mine shaft. It's like the it's worst like father there. ever. It's fucking father of the year, old man. Yeah. So, so the kids are discovered, and by the end of the day of their discovery, they were all put into the child welfare system. The dad had skipped town, never to be seen, and his wife's corpse was found rotting in their shared bed of their shithole shack. Wow. So he just left her behind. He just left her behind. All the children, they were separated. They were all put up for adoption. So Cecilia, who was the sister closest to Billy, she's older than him. She begged for Billy to come with her, but no adult wanted to adopt the ugly boy. And he was to spend, he was ugly. He had bad teeth and a bad eye. He was left behind to spend a childhood in the foster care system. Well, didn't he have a bad personality as well? Like he's rebellious was, and aggressive. That's going to grow. That's going to grow yeah. the longer he spends in the system. So this was like the first kind of, when the first couple of months of him being in the system, they gave him his first operation on his eye. And Billy used to shake when he would describe it because he says that they had to strap him down just to put the ether mask over his mouth and nose. He's like six and they had to strap this boy down to do this to him. Wow. It's kind of antichrist. <laughs> this is my kind of guy oh, Billy, it, he was wary of strangers and he didn't make new friends um, very well if he even could be bothered a teacher stated that Billy was highly intelligent but he held a grudge against the world which is like no shit Sherlock wouldn't fucking wow. you when asked by the judge he definitely judge, got a bit of a raw deal he did get a raw deal that's a good film it's a good picture <laughs> when asked deal by the judge if he would rather be sent back to another foster family or if he'd be sent to a reform school. Reform schools like at the time were kind of like hard boiled, merciless mini jails for children, kind of like a barstool that we had over here. Billy stated in a toneless voice that he would rather go to trade school than any more foster homes. And the trade school Billy was sent to was the state training school for boys at Boonville, Missouri. And when his older sister Cecilia heard this news that he was being sent to a reformatory, she cried herself to save. Well, I mean, aren't there like a lot of violence there, corporal punishments? Yes. Boy all of rape. I mean, it's not, like, it's not a great environment. If you've ever seen the film Scum, then you know what goes on at a reformatory school with Ray Winston. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I've ever seen that. I like Ray well, Winston, though. You'll like Scum, then, if you really like Ray Winston. Uh, yeah. So, is it just like, what, an hour and a half of just boy rape? Uh, there is some boy rape that occurs, yeah. A great soundtrack, though. No I love the soundtracks of school. <laughs> so when he was at Boonville, um, there was another kid there called Robert Drago. Drago. Isn't Drago. that awesome? I yeah, it's like you. Drago from, from Rocky. Yeah. 
And he remembers Billy's arrival in July of 1941. He said he was just a troubled kid. He came in like he'd been given a ticket for summer camp. He didn't talk to or badmouth those in charge the way others did, and he pretty much kept to himself. He was neat. He took great care of his stuff, keeping it ordered like we were supposed to. There were one or two other kids that didn't gripe because they hated what was on the outside more than anything in Boonville, and that's what it was like with Billy. He had an older sister, Cecilia, and she had gotten married. She came to see him, and she said she was going to get custody of him, and he'd be able to come and live with her and her husband in Joplin. I said, hey, that's great. But Billy didn't want to go. I thought he was crazy. It was his chance to get out and live with regular people. And I said, if you don't, you'll be stuck here until you're 18. Yeah, why didn't he get sprung by his sister? He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave. He's into the boy rape. He's into, like, the routine. He was settling in. He enjoyed it. He felt safe in Boonville. He didn't feel safe anywhere else. You know, he was studious and quiet. He spent the majority of his time reading or doing the chores. Why would he want to leave this kind of safe space to go on back into the outside? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He looks the type, doesn't he? (laughs) Those big kissy lips, he would be the power bottom. So Cecilia said that Billy had told her he didn't want to go back out because he said he'd rather be back where he didn't have to do anything on his own. Most of us had no easy time. We had to go on, had to make him life. But Billy acted like he had a bone to pick with everyone. He wasn't much different. Yeah, he wasn't much different when he was little, she said. And before our mama died, nothing had ever been funny to him. He didn't have humor about himself. And when he came to stay with us, he was like a stranger and I didn't know him. Yeah, it looks like he looks like he's been institutionalized. Just became a full sociopath at this point. Definitely, definitely some trauma. Can't find the hilarity in any situation. Even Gacy could have a giggle. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't have uh, better therapy back then. (laughs) Yeah, in the 1950. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he didn't have to enjoy life on the outside for very long. At the age of 14, he um, took up a stolen blackjack knife, which is a pretty cool knife. I had to Google it. And he robbed a Joplin cab driver. And this was going to be the start of his pattern of revenge. A blackjack isn't a knife, though. Isn't blackjack oh, like isn't a that? club? Yeah, it's like a club. Oh, maybe. Club I saw one that was with. like, it kind of looked like a butterfly knife as well. Oh. Huh. I'll look hmm. it up again. Uh So this is how it kind of started. He got into the cab. He sat behind the driver. He held... um the knife or the club to the driver's throat and he ordered him to drive out of town once he felt that they had dri- driven far enough he made the cabbie remove his pants take your mind out the gutter d so that he could take the cabbie's wallet and the 11 dollars that was inside it and he said the reason he took the man's pants is so that he wouldn't run away he's not going to get out the cab and run out sure. like the side of the road without all pants power up. about him say that yeah, <laughs> how would <laughs> you know? Away so he wouldn't how run. would you know? <laughs> the cabbie just did it as he said. And then Billy was like, I want you to drive me back to downtown Joplin. And we, and he got out of there. The cabbie obviously is not going to forget this boy's face. He's got a weird fucked up eye. And he's yeah, good yeah. looking. And he's a power bond. <laughs> and as fate would have it, have it, because, you know, Billy wasn't a criminal mastermind at this point. He's only 14. The next day. He ever would be a mastermind. But this is definitely his MO, though. This is how it starts. So the next day, he was entering a movie theater. And who was was across the way? Who was across the street? It's only the bloody pantsless cabbie. Oh, he still wasn't wearing any pants at the movie theater? No, I think he's probably put his pants on. Oh, he did have pants on at that point. All right. 
So he was sat in his cab and he saw Billy going into this movie theater. So he got out of his cab and he followed him into the theater and he told wait, wait the usher to call. What kind of theater was this? This is a movie theater. D, take your mind out the gutter. This All is right, the 50s. Just, I don't know. I'm putting right? two and two together here. Billy was sat on the front row. He was about to enjoy the picture. He was kicking it back when free cheese curdy and cops jumped him and they sent him straight back to Boonville. Straight back uh, to the reformatory? Straight back to the boys' home. Richard Drago was there. He was not surprised to see Billy come back. And he said that Billy had told him, he said, free crops grabbed him or else he'd have busted away. Other guys at Boonville didn't trust Billy. He was short, but like a dog that doesn't give a crap about how big some other dog is. So Billy's starting to get balls now. He's starting to get way it more defiant. Sounds like it. And... The next 18 months, he was in Boonville before he kind of declared that he was ready for a Boston breakout. And that's exactly what he did. But he didn't go the way that Billy had pictured at all. He stole the car, he got caught, and he was booked for five years at the Angoa Intermediate Reformatory, which is like literally one step below a prison at this age. And it's where he received regular beatings, regular torment. He was in fights with like everyone else because of his attitude which is natural. It's understandable. Well, I mean, he's, he definitely seems like he has a, you know, bit of a personality of course. disorder, but, um, but wasn't he kind of a troublemaker? Like I had, I had read that he tried to escape from uh, the reformatory a few times, like from jail. He did. Yeah. He, he there was a smuggled hacksaw blade and he, he cut through the bars. That's but so he was classic. caught. Like, was it smuggling a cake? Base, yeah, I have always wondered <laughs> if that was a real thing. I've always wanted yeah, to do it. It's like, I mean, it would be a great birthday cake idea for someone if you ever did, like, you know, a mobs and mobsters <laughs> type of theme party. I'm on it. So that was after this had happened, his counselor at Angoa stated that Cook is 18 years old and he has been caught with razor blades in his possession with illegal pills and knives. He thinks criminal thoughts. He shows no interest in learning a trade or a skill and he seems like a walking time bomb. Billy left the reformatory with the words hard luck tattooed across the knuckles on his left hand. Got a picture of that here. A couple cool pictures. This iconic, this iconic tattoo. Uh, tattoo here. So here's one. You can kind of see it. Like this is like an artistic, you know, picture yes, it here. Is. Yeah, this is like an artistic version. But I think here's like a more accurate version here. Yeah, that one's been inked over, but it's cool. That's clearly when he's been arrested. You see the so he had to, I like it. It's like on his knuckles, and then it's like luck on the uh, like how many that's the thing, very old at this school. time. Yeah, it's very old school. How many people had hard luck tattooed on their hand? He's kind of rockabilly in a sense. Yeah, he's cool, man. Yeah, definitely way cooler than the guy that sh shot up the Asian massage parlor. So Billy's 18 now, he's been released, and he started stalking the streets of southwest Missouri. But who's he gonna bump into? He's going to bump into long-lost daddy of the year, William Sr., isn't he? He's going to find his father his dad's, in southwest Missouri. Find his, how the hell did he find his dad? Just from, like, bopping about, he found him. William Sr. is now seven years old. He had stooped shoulders from years of crouching over in the mines. He smoked like a chimney. His lungs were, I probably imagine, as black as your soul. <laughs> and Billy found him living in a one-bedroom mining shack. William Sr. actually didn't know how to react that his son has found him. He wondered why Billy shocked. had even come. Yeah. So he asked his son, he said, what are you going to do now that they've cut you loose? And this, and Billy looked at the old man with his one good eye. And he said, I'm going to live by the gun. 
and I'm going to boom. I thought you were going to say, I want you to take your pants off. I'm a power bottom daddy. <laughs> you can call me daddy So wait, now. wait, wait. But this is kind of a famous quote, though. It is. I'm going to live by the gun and roam. And roam. exactly what he did. He's such like an outlaw, isn't he? That's one of the reasons I like him. Yeah, so, he's like a classic outlaw. I want you to imagine that it's early morning on an empty Texas highway. And there's a mining equipment salesman and mechanic, 56-year-old Lee Archer. He was driving from Tohoka, heading north for Lubbock, just past Woodrow. And he spotted a young, wavy-haired teen hitchhiking, and he stopped to pick him up. He was saying to the teen that he was going north, and the leather-jacketed youth climbed in. He had a small overnight bag with him. And he said, oh, I'm going to Joplin. And he sunk down in the seat next to him and he kicked back like he'd not slept in days. But Lee Archer, the driver, he kind of realized that he wasn't sleeping at all. And every so often his passenger would turn and turn a little and look in the back seat, like like kind of glancing what was in the car. It was giving the driver a funny feeling. So over a hundred miles later, they were on a very barren stretch of road. They approached a gas station and Archer suggested that to this very quiet man and very suspicious hitchhiker that they should stop and like fuel up and you know he'll buy him some lunch if he's got no money so that's what they did and all the whole time they were there in the diner eating lee was just trying to think of ways to ditch this weirdo but he couldn't ever seem to like evade this man's attention like he thought that his deformed eye was following him no matter where he went why don't you just do the go to the bathroom and just sneak mm. out well, I think because it would have been a very small diner, I don't think he would have had the opportunity. The evil eye. Otherwise, he would have. Well, I yeah. mean, this is a cautionary tale, too. Like, I know back then in the 50s, you could probably pick up a hitchhiker, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You, should, you shouldn't be picking up hitchhikers. Do people still and hitchhike in Europe? Isn't that a thing you guys do there? People still do it, but you just shouldn't. It's just never get into a stranger's car. Like, it's just a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, here, it's like everybody now, I think, is wise enough to know, like, yeah, that's how serial Don't killers pick it. up their victims, you know, it's a, by hitchhiking. I mean, they used to in, like, the, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, definitely stopped doing it by the 80s and 90s, and now they don't really do it. But I was working with a girl at my old job who's Romanian, and she's like, oh, yeah, we hitchhike all over Eastern Europe. I imagine, yeah, maybe you could, but if I'm an Eastern European hot girl from Romania, I'd also be scared to. Yeah, I'd be thinking right. hostile type scenario, you know? Of course. But this you dude, would. you know, he he's like even buying the hitchhiker lunch. Like he's going yeah. way above and beyond. To try and pacify him. Well, so they, yeah. did, they did both get back into the car and it wasn't much long after, about half an hour when they're outside of Oklahoma City, bad boy Billy pulled out his automatic pistol. He pointed it right in, in his drive, the driver's stomach, and he said, just go back to the highway and turn on 66. What a, so he rude, kept... what a rude fucker. How this guy just rude. bought him lunch. He's giving him a ride and now he's got his gun in his stomach. So he was like nudging the nuzzle of the gun into the side of Lee Archer and he suggested which turns to take and eventually they pulled off the dirt road and they stopped. The engine was stopped and Billy with the gun, he demanded the key. He also demanded all the money from the driver, which Lee Archer gave him, but his sweat turned cold as he was instructed to get out of the car. But he did so because you fucking would when somebody's well, holding a, a pistol at you. Yeah. yeah, and this is a quote from Lee Archer. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess about getting killed and laying dead in a ditch on the side of the road. I thought about everything important to me, but the thought that kept flashing 
to me was that I was going to die. My life was going to end and I should have run out of that cafe back in Texas and left the no good son of a bitch where he was. And what happened next was like a kind of crazy bad dream. And it is like something out of a film because Billy made him get in the trunk of the car, also called Mm. the boot in the UK. We call it the boot. And suddenly the gun toting renegade was at the wheel. He was driving really fast and recklessly. And Lee knew that he had to get out or he was going to suffocate or he was going to be shot. So Billy hadn't checked through the trunk very well because he had a tire iron and he was the archer was like using that against the lock. it open to pop up pop open the trunk yeah that's exactly what he did he popped the trunk and he waited for the car to slow down a little and when it did he just like dive bombed out but i was and reading just... that uh the car was actually manual and a manual transmission and billy oh, wasn't weird. too good at driving a manual transmission car so it kept stalling so he probably oh. had an opportunity just to jump out when the car stalled and just take off yeah and so when he had dive bombed out of this car, he lay in the road, he waited a few seconds. And then when the car started speeding up again, he got up and he ran like he was Forrest Gump in the jungle. He just did not stop running. He ran past loads of fields. He went past an old barn. He went through another field um, until he thought he would drop dead of a heart attack, which that's like me when I run at the end. I just think you're going to die of a heart attack. Well, the adrenaline there, though. Yeah, I, I only run from the police. I don't run from anyone else. <laughs> he heard an engine roar, and he thought, like, the youth had found him again, but it was just, like, an old truck driving down an old road. So he ran towards this hick, you know, waving his arms and begging for help. So this is the kind of start of the nightmare for Billy. He drove on. He was aware his prisoner had escaped. Um, he was realizing that the Buick he had stolen was a piece of shit on wheels because he couldn't drive it. And... The car kind of rattled dead on Route 66 near Claremont, Oklahoma. Claremont? Claremont. Luckily for him, there was actually a car headed in his direction. So he he made out like he was signaling for help. And the 1949 blue Chevrolet sedan slowed down. The driver rolled down the window and he asked, what's the trouble? And Billy glanced towards his stolen heap of junk and said that the engine was shot. Can he get a lift? See, there you go. Once again, picking up hitchhikers, helping a stranded motorist. It's like, you don't do that. You don't help people. You do not help them. No, you don't. You keep driving. Go to your destination. So the driver of this car was a father of three and a married man by the name of Carl Moser. And he was like, sure, come on in. Inside the vehicle were his three kids in the back seat. He had seven-year-old Ronald, five-year-old Gary, and Pamela, who was free. Next to 33-year-old Carl sat his 29-year-old wife, Thelma. Okay, so the stage is now set. All the characters there are, are here. There's Carl. There's Thelma. Pamela. There's Ronnie. There's little Gary. Yeah, there's the Bob whole Holson. monster family. Yeah, Holson, this is like a good 1950s, 1950s family. family. You know? And I mean, they were just on their way to Albuquerque, New Mexico to spend the Christmas holidays with Carl's twin brother. So only Billy would be alive to tell the sordid tale. But he said that within moments of climbing into the car, he stuck the gun in between the ribs of Thelma Moser and he ordered her hapless husband to keep on driving. And they would be driving for 72 savage hours. Which is so terrible because he's got like three kids. They got the family dog in the car. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the dog. Yeah, the little white dog. So the whole family going to spend Christmas holidays as twin brother, you know, and uh, here they are with this deranged. You know, power bottom power with bottom. a fucked up eye. <laughs> and he's got a gun 
you know, in their ribs. And he's like, tell them to drive around. And so now they're like, all right, I guess we're going to do. Yeah, he kept uh, Moser driving all the way to Oklahoma City, the free kids in the back. Oklahoma City and by the time they got there you know they were all complaining and crying of hunger they needed the toilet um Felma she was white pale and said she was travel sick although I doubt the gun at her hide wouldn't have uh, her side wouldn't have helped the situation um and Carl said to the cockeyed team my brother in Albuquerque is gonna be worried as hell with us not showing up he'll have the highway patrol out looking for us and Billy responded back with the warning shut up <laughs> shut up Love it. Billy doesn't heed warnings like that. Billy doesn't need warnings like that. And then this was so this is close to which to falls. The gas in the sedan was running really low. And when they reached there, they went to a little gas station that had a small grocery store attached. So the attendants started filling up the car. Billy and Carl walked real slowly now, you hear, into the store. And like, what are you gonna do? You're well, going to try and escape, aren't you? Well, part of the problem is, you, like, back then, everyone's so nice to each other because it's the 1950s that even if you're trying to, like, signal that there's something going on, they exactly. probably wouldn't even, you know, they'd be like, oh, we're playing charades. Like, no one would, they wouldn't pick up on it. You know, that well, you were about they... to hear how nice people in the 1950s were. Because, like, this could have totally gone a different way for Billy. Billy could have ended up doing a different stretch for, like, 15 years for kidnapping. Because... Yeah. Carl is obviously desperate to get away from this man. So what he did was he took Billy's arms, he bent it behind the arm that held the gun, he bent it behind his back, and he was screaming at the cashier that he needed help, help me, he's got a gun, he's kidnapped me, he's got my whole family in the car. Well, so this Carl, is America, baby. Carl, this is the America. dad here, he turned the tables, he grabbed Billy. Yeah. How how big, like how like physically imposing was Billy? Was he like a he five was only foot five six? Foot- Five six. Five six. So he's a little guy. He's like my he's height. A little guy. But you know, he's like the, it's like that quote where he said he's like a dog that doesn't give a shit about the size of the other dog. He's got yeah. that kind of attitude. Yeah, he's got this like attitude. Um, Napoleon <laughs> complex. So this dude grabs him, pulls his arm back, and uh, is shouting it to, to the attendant to help him out. Yeah, to the cashier. But yeah, like I was saying, this is America, baby. And what are you going to do if you're in America? So this old man, this cashier, he actually thought that the struggle was just a scuffle. So he pulled out his trusty long-barreled single action from underneath the counter, pointed at the two men, and he ordered them politely yet firmly to leave. What? He kicked America. him out of the store. Yet meanwhile, this guy, this guy's you know, probably yelling like, hey, he's kidnapped my family. Yeah. So God, this store it, owner's an idiot. He is an idiot, and it could have all changed with yeah, that yeah. one thing. At this exact same time, in another part of the country, Lee Archer was meeting with the def- deputy sheriffs to tell his side of the story. The law had discovered his abandoned car, and inside they found the small overnight bag, and in it was the checkered shirt, two white T-shirts, um, some brown shoe wax, a picture of three unhappy children, which had been stamped Kirksville, Maryland, a box of 36 bullets from an automatic, a receipt for the purchase of a 32, pis- um, 32 pistol from the El Paso gun store. Wait, wait. This is Billy's overnight bag. They this found is Billy's Archer's bag. Car. Yeah, they found oh, it. Oh, he left the bag behind? He left the bag because he was in such a rush to get into this other car, wasn't he? So using He's these not paper, a criminal mastermind. <laughs> he's not. He's an opportunist, which most yeah. free killers are. So he was u- using like newspaper wire photo machines from the time 
um, officials soon had pictures and they had the Missouri penitentiary records of Cook and it said he was five feet, six inches tall, 145 pounds, tattooed with a right eye that never closed. Um, and as of December 29th, the case was one of still just highway robbery. It was still just some punk stealing a car. But he's a little guy. He was a little guy. I like yeah. him. I like his moxie. The nightmare for the Moses was still underway, though. They were stopping occasionally for gas and food, and the car zigzagged through Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. How wait? How many days did he, uh, I guess, or, um, abduct the Mosers? Like how long? Like how many days? Seventy-two hours. So three, th three, days, three days. They, they drove around in the car with the kids, the wife. More than Two and a half thousand miles they traveled. Where, where was Billy sitting? Was he between the like in the front seat between the uh, the the, the he, husband and the wife, or was he in the back yes. seat with the kids? No, he was in the front seat in between the husband and the wife. Um, occasionally, he would switch places with Felma. So he was uh, in the so back seat middle. He could have middle. the gun at her side. He was in the front seat middle. The front seat middle. Wow. Yeah. Okay. With this family. God, riding on the hump. God, that's. I couldn't even imagine a more awkward family vacation. <laughs> with it, like, with cousin Power Bottom Billy. Yeah, you mom. got Power Bottom Billy with his fucked up eye, your terrified kids in the back, the dog who's probably, you know, took a shit or pissed. I mean, because I highly I doubt imagine. he was like letting the dog go outside for a walk to relieve himself. So it probably smells terrible. You got the dad who's obviously upset and freaking out. And then meanwhile, you got the mom who's probably hysterical. Of course. Awkward. And what do you think the they're case... listening to? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, wonder. Wonder I bet 50s radio was fucking good. Oh, do you know what? 50s radio. So this would have been like. Maybe, hmm. but it could also have been like Rock and Robin or Rock Around Ernest the Clock. Ernest Tubbs. Or something like that. They were listening like to Ernest Tubbs. That's what I'm saying they were listening to. Some All nice, right. calming Ernest Tubbs. So they traveled over two and a half thousand miles but now they were they had instructions from billy and he said that he wanted them to head northeast on 66 to his homeland of missouri he's returning back home and it was almost two in the morning on new year's eve and billy demanded that these riders on the storm that they drive off the deserted highway and they drive down several dirt roads billy seemed to know the area well and he began digging through a suitcase that was in the front passenger seat and he started tearing up shirts and he was making like makeshift bonds. Thelma, who was now fucking hysterical, was soothed briefly by Billy saying that it, all he was going to do, this was his plan, he's going to tie them up, he's going to take their car keys and that would give him extra time to escape. Hmm. So he, he tied them all up, starting with the youngest to the oldest and next he gagged them all using towels to gag the adults. The car was parked. He got out the sedan that had been his home for the last three days, and he circled it once. He opened up the rear door, and he shot three-year-old Pamela in the heart. Next, he shot Gary, and then seven-year-old Ronald three times through the heart. He quickly lunged around, and he shot the screaming woman, the protective mother the in mother, the chest. Yeah. What, what about Carl? Carl? He'd been trying to get out away from his binds, and he was nearly there, but he was shot nearly point blank in the head. And it was over as fast as his figure had worked the trigger. And as a final fuck you to the family, he shot the dog. Oh, and he even killed the dog. He Ruthless. killed the dog. Ruthless. Ruthless. And what are you going to do now you've killed all these, this whole family in this car? What are you going to do? He got back in behind the wheel 
and he drove to the outskirts of Joplin and he was circling around the gray lead dust hills of the deserted mine. So two days he later, was just driving around. So for two days, he drove around with the corpses in the car? He, yeah, no, you'll see. Two days later, the car was found. It, the car had been abandoned on a muddy side road near Tulsa. The, they found bullet holes in the seat. The upholstery was caked in dried blood. And there was actually still puddles of wet blood that was still soaking into the floor mats. One of the investigators, he picked up a blue baby blanket and out dropped a 32 caliber slug. So what this is what begins the biggest manhunt in American history. Within hours, um, this, lang this manhunt had begun with 2,000 law enforcement officers. They were joined by other thousands. So it wasn't just like the police, there was game wardens and private citizens. Texas Rangers flew in from Dallas. They were joining the other law enforcement agencies all looking for Billy Cook. But I mean, it's kind of, it's unheard of at the time. I'm sure there's like it an all points bulletin, like nationwide. But they all knew that they were not recovering an alive family. They were looking for a dead family. Well, with all the blood, yeah. What, did he, what about the blood. dog? So, but so did were the cor the, the corpses dog? weren't in the car though, right? The corpses weren't in the car. They just found the car. The blood That's all they'd bullets. found. So no dog. No dog either. All right. So the, for days there was wide and varied reports. The sightings they came in, none were ever verified. The police had searched like vast areas surrounding the car, as you do, looking for the bodies. But they only got lucky when a police informant who had a bad attitude about Billy who had been with him in the reformatory. He had snitched that Billy had once bragged that he knew every abandoned mine shaft in Joplin city limits. So the police took this information and at 11 o'clock in the morning on January the 15th, um, a few FBI agents and the Missouri State Police, they assembled at a disused uh, Joplin mine shaft. This shaft was, oh, this shaft baby, was 100 feet deep and the top had once been cemented over and then they'd place planks of wood on top of that to stop like livestock from like taking a dive in. It's a great, they, great way to dispose of a corpse though. Well, yeah, because the police had noticed that two planks had been torn loose from the top. And when they leaned in and looked over the edge, what did they see? They saw the bodies of two adults, small children and a dog. Was oh, on you threw the dog in there too. The dog! Yeah. Crowds started to gather at the side of the road. The fire um, service rigged up like a three-foot kind of wide raft to, to retrieve the dead bodies. And as the dead bodies were brought back to the surface, they had two weeks of rot in them. A nationwide a wide alarm went out. Roadblocks were set up across the six states. Billy Cook became the most hunted, one, most wanted man in the country. He was a mass murderer of the likes that America had never seen, out in the wild, wildly driving to a destination unknown. There they so are. A, There's the uh, the Mosers. This is a good quality picture. Yeah, I'm surprised actually for from like you know the 1950s. There is another picture from the crime scene where you can see the dead dog, but it's very it's nowhere near as good quality as this. But look at the size of that crowd that has like all come together. Yeah, it's quite a how... quite a large crowd in Joplin, Missouri. You got you can see that the child, and all three kids are laid out there. One kid's still tied up. And you can see yeah, oh, the mother's still tied up too. Yeah, you can see the mum's tied up too. Yeah. And I mean, you can see she's got a towel on her face when you zoom in. There's Carl. Looks a little older there, but it's probably from the decomposition, I imagine. Probably two weeks of rot over Christmas time as well, in kind of watery, muddy water. Yeah, pretty gnarly. 
So by this time, uh, Billy, he had fled to California. He was staying in the one horseshit town of um, Blythe, California. Do you know what that is? Blythe, yeah. Is a, that, that is, is just it kind of, so it's just like, no, it's, it's just like a desolate, tiny town. Kind of, kind of by Colorado. I've only driven through it once. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he ended up getting recognized by like the local burrito eating jep- um, deputy, Homer Waldrip, and so he, on a tip, he went to go to like where he thought Billy was staying, and he got a gun instantly in the neck as soon as he walked in the door. And here it begins again. Billy forced the deputy back into his car, and he once again told his kidnapped passenger that they were going to go for a drive. God, this guy just loves road trips. He loves them. Yeah. He loves driving. It's like, we're not going like to go Richard... anywhere. We're just going to zigzag through the states. I'll have my gun now. We'll put some, would you say, Ernest Tubbs on the on the radio? Yeah, we'll put some Ernest Tubbs on. We'll listen to Eat that. Eat some it's beef jerky, like... and let's just it go for a road trip. of Richard Ramirez, doesn't it? He loved driving. Yeah, Richard Ramirez, but he didn't, like, you know, take his victims on a long road trip. Well, he did sometimes. Ted Bundy, he would have victims in his car. But he didn't take them but for, yeah, like, just not an aimless this... road trip? No, not not to this extent. God, I would have been so annoyed. I've been like, dude, just kill me. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm over sick this. of listening to Ernest Tubbs. Yeah, and it's like that. we're just driving around for days, going nowhere. You're making me take my pants off. <laughs> just kill Power me. bottom daddy. Yeah. Um, they got somewhere near the Mexican border, and Billy brought the vehicle to a stop. He handcuffed the deputy, and he made him walk out a short distance um, until he was kind of obscured on the ground by a bush. So this is a quote from the deputy. I tried to tell him not to kill me, and he said he didn't care about me or anything. He told me to get on the ground, and I did as he said. I didn't want to die. He stuck the automatic in his belt, and he pulled my 38 out, and I was down on the ground with my face in the sand. He got over me, sort of straddled over me. Take your mind of out the good day. And he, pushed, and he pushed the nuzzle of his own gun against the my neck. The nuzzle. The nuzzle. He nuzzled him. Just the tip. I heard him pull the hammer back, and all I could think was, I wouldn't feel anything. It would be over. One bullet right through my head, and I wouldn't feel anything. I didn't move a damned muscle. Then I was aware that the gun was another back of my head, and I heard him moving. He was walking away. I heard the crunching sounds of him walking, and then I heard him getting in the car and the car moving. So he didn't end up, uh, he didn't kill this deputy? He did not kill this deputy for whatever reasons. Reasons hmm. only known to Billy. Um, and he was away flooring the sheriff's car. And what he did after he'd driven quite a while, he turned on his red and whites and he pulled over a blue Buick which had Washington plates. And again, he's just going to keep it going on. He's on the run. And there was a young oil salesman inside this car who was on vacation by the name of Robert Dewey. And he slowed down and he greeted greeted Billy as he came up to the driver's side door. And Billy just got straight in his car and said, let's drive. Wow. So he just coming on another road trip in another car. Well, he was hoping to, but Robert didn't get very far because his body was found a few hours later after Homer had made it back to town and had alerted the authorities. He was decaying under the scorching desert sun. They found shots in his back and right side like he had been running away towards the sheriff's automobile. And Billy was roaring away towards the Mexican border in the dead man's Buick. And now he took off from Mexico and he just kind of executed Robert Dewey, threw him out 
just in the desert took off. I imagine what happened was he got into the car with Robert Dewey and said, let's drive. And Robert was like, fuck this. And he just got out of the car and started running towards just away from his car. And I just think Billy leaned out his window and probably just shot him twice. Hmm. Yeah. A good shot for a guy with one eye. One eye. Yeah. yeah. You know, props to props to the power daddy. So uh, for this, because they were closing in on Billy now, there was like more dis- there was less distance between them. They had a manhunt of close to a thousand men, with some two hundred bloodhounds brought in to track him down. So, there's a lot so of you can see here in this. this picture that uh, I don't know if I can get this stupid thing to work. Um, Click on it and then use the arrow buttons, Dad. I'm doing Either way, that. Dad. <laughs> No, I'm doing it, but it's not. He's going the wrong way. There you go. There you go. Fucking preview. It It fucking sucks. I have to use a different computer for this. Um, But here you go. There's uh, there's the detectives looking at the most wanted, and you see Buscato looking for. Um, There's there's Billy Cooks. um, There's Billy Cooks mugshot. His wanted poster. Wanted poster. Yeah. So Cook. I mean, the press were all over this. It had been like front page news for like days. And he was being referred to in the press as like the hitchhiking killer, the mad dog slayer, the squint-eyed desperado. That's great. Squint-eyed desperado. All of those names, right? They just don't name serial killers as good as they used to. How cool are all those names? Squint-eyed desperado is great. Yeah. I love it. You probably love that one. He got to about 100 miles from the border, but he had to abandon the Buick because he'd run out of gas. Um, But... Billy just fucking knew he was going to make it because as he had run out of gas, he had spotted the glow of a campfire in the desert. And he quickly and quietly made his way over to this camp. And he soon turned the happy campers into his prisoners. He held the men at gunpoint all night in the campsite. But they later said that they didn't know if they could run away or jump in because one of his eyes was always always open, like the Metallica song. <laughs> his one bad eye never closing, so they're just one like, bad eye. is he awake? Is he not awake? So these two campers are called James Burke and Forrest Damron. You've got a picture of them. I do have a picture of them right here. There they are. There they are. So and these two guys couldn't yes. subdue a five foot six, four, 145 pound dude. Billy did have an arsenal at his time. He had like not just one gun. He had about six guns on him. And they just said they were so scared of his eye. I mean, these right. I'll background these two a little for you. They're a pair of amateur prospectors from El Centro, California. This is the 1950s. They're out on a gold gold hunting. They're out on a gold gold. hunting expedition in the 1950s. So do you think that these men have the biggest of brains? Well, I don't know. I mean, they they might actually just, they don't have the brawn. Like they might just, you know, be you know, geologists or something. They're not going to be, you know, UFC fighters. So They, they don't look like that's... geologists to me, D. Well, I don't know. They did say that they believed they were going to die, and one of them is quoted as saying, Cook said he didn't want our dead bodies found, at least not so soon. So he'd have the leeway of getting wherever he was going. He joked to us and he said, so you guys will sting up for a while, but at least you won't have to be smelling each other. So we did they have to he just abducted did they have to take another long road trip with him? Yes, on the road oh, for a week. Jesus Christ. A week. God, Over the, the next This week. is the worst thing about Billy Cook is he like forces everybody to do this like onerous torture. road trip. That it's I, the torture. I would much rather just be shot. 
Yeah, shoot me now, Billy. Yeah, I don't so, want to be sitting in a fucking car with you for a week going nowhere. They were forced to drive 450 miles throughout oh, the Bajar Desert. Every night they would set up a little camp uh, with neither men having the balls to escape under Billy's forever watchful eye. And he would sleep with his finger on the trigger of any gun. So it, I imagine that would be intimidating. I would not. I like guess to. at that point I'd be so fucking annoyed for driving around for five days. I would just take a fucking rock and just try to smash his head in. I would do whatever I could. I don't even care. So I think uh, John Hayward, who was an FBI agent at the time, and he worked trying to find Cockeyed Cook. He recalled that. <laughs> Cockeyed Cook. Cockeyed Cook. <laughs> we figured that he had taken captives. Police aircraft and helicopters were posted throughout the southern states and down into Mexico. He was the most dangerous, wanted man in the nation. When was the last time there's ever been a most dangerous and wanted man in the nation? It's been a well, while. No, there's been a it? lot. Ted, uh, Ted Kaczynski. Kaczynski, but that was yeah. ages ago. It well, hasn't I mean, been one for this a long is, time. This was the 1950s. 50s. No, they do but nationwide manhunts all the time. Salvation did come on January the 15th, 1951. So they were alerted by various informants that the two missing prospectors and their captor had been spotted in Santa Rosalia, 600 miles south of the border. They've put oh some miles God. in since they got to Mexico. It's the worst am, road trip ever. I am so sorry for I am about to butcher some Mexican names here, but I'm terrible at the Latin languages. Don't come from me. Francisco Kraus Morales. It's not bad. Uh, yeah. It's pretty yeah. good. He was a chief of the Tijuana police. He boarded a small government airplane and he flew to the little fishing village. So with the local police chief, Para Rodriguez, at his side, Morales found Cook and his captives just seated in a little cafe. Cook was arrested without a struggle and his captives joyfully released and Cook returned instantly to await his fate in the U.S. Without a struggle. Without a struggle. He's got, got an arsenal of weapons. An He's got this arsenal. bad attitude. He's so, in Mexico and he doesn't even try to put up any kind of fight. I think that was just him anyways. I think no matter what, he would never put up a fight. I think he just doesn't get, seem to give a shit. He's he, very apathetic. Yeah, but he murdered a family and a dog. You'd think it's and like... And a dog. But you, you'd think at this point, it's like, oh, okay, if, they, if they're going to apprehend me, I'm going to get the, the the chair. Like, I'm going to die. So why not just go out in like a, you know, a hail of bullets? Please, well, I'll tell you about him wanting to get the chair. So at the same time that Billy was being arrested, they had found the corpses. It, so it was all around this same kind of time. And there's some great pictures of like a, a manacled and legine cook. He was transported across the Mexico-US borders. I think These I have pictures, some pictures are, of that actually. Yeah, they're from Life You're... magazine. And you can see just like the size of the crowd just waiting to see Billy get chucked across the border. I was about when they were looking for the corpses in that mine shaft, uh, the, de the decomposition was so bad that they had to like wear gas masks to like go in there and, and extricate the corpses. Oh, well, that would be also because of the gas that escapes from dead bodies um, can give you gangrene. Oh, yeah, that's true. Remember, I was telling you about that because that's that why. True. There you go. There's the crowd at the Mexico border and they're just look at them. I mean, it's probably the most exciting thing that's happened there for a while. Apart from Tijuana and the Tijuana border. Yeah. Yeah. Tijuana, I've, been, baby. I've been going over there and. Well, it's been a while, seeing but a, I used to go over there and get a pills. Donkey show. Get a yeah. donkey show, get Next some uh, Kalana pins, head on back to this to the U.S. So, if you go to the next picture, 
Oh wait, so this his, is the arsenal, arsenal that Billy had on him that he would keep with him. So I mean, what's that? Two rifles, um, a thirty-two and a thirty-eight, and a hunting knife. And he and didn't even try bullets. to shoot the cops trying to arrest him. No, he's the, over it. So if you go to the blowing. next picture, there he is. Cook being chucked over the border, basically. So there he is in his leather jacket and his slacks, looking cool as fuck. His you do hard look cool, luck, uh, tattoos here. Kind of looks like Paul Newman here. Does if you go yeah. to the next one, they there literally chucked him across the border. They didn't give no shit. So I'm that sure was they him knocked him the around floor. a bit. They well, they kind of did when they were chucking him over the border, and there was like a crowd frenzy. And throughout that whole time, Billy was just like didn't give a shit. He didn't try and fight back or anything. So if you, you can see, look at his one, uh, his one cockeyed eye. You can see it open, and this is them posing him for the photographers because he didn't want to have his picture taken because so he, he always put looks, his head down here he kind of looks like timberlake though i see the timberlake and the ryan felipe yeah yeah he does kind of look like him doesn't he look remarkably good for a man who's been on the road for like a week like i would look like a hot mess if i'd been on the road for like a fucking week driving yeah, i could even imagine the smell in that car three Ugh. men's in a car i like this guy here that's holding him down with a with the cigar in his mouth yeah, he's very Mexican. Now you look Mexican. at the camera, see? Um, so if you go to the next picture, I think that's where they take him actually into the jail. Yeah. There he is. In the jail. This is what he was doing. He kept his head down. He didn't want his picture being taken. Hmm. Although I don't know why. He's a very good looking man. Have your picture yeah. taken, Billy? I think now it's like he'd get, he'd get all the, just have the, you know, the bad boy complex. You oh, know? totally. Turning I would have probably gone girls. to his trial. Yeah. And. 36-year-old desperate girls yeah. like me. So he was shoved across the border and at only 22 years of age, he's only 22, he'd earned himself a niche as the nation's most wanted and desperate criminal and his trial of kidnap and murder was finally over. His trail, sorry, it's not his trial because once in jail, he, um, he's obviously the forensic psychologist that's swarming on Billy. And one of them said that he held nothing back. He regretted nothing. He told me about killing Robert Dewing, saying it meant as little to him as shooting a bullet into a dog. He told me he needed Dewey's car, and that's why he killed him. I asked him why he hadn't killed the deputy sheriff, Homer Waldrop. He shrugged about that. He didn't seem to know or care. After my extensive interviews Sociopath. and tests, I found, I think he's a psychopath. I found Billy practically lacking any human compassion, feeling, or sentiment. He has no regrets. He has no pity. So Billy, who was a killing machine, he signed confessions to all of his crimes and he referred to all of the killings with zero emotion. So he expected to be hanged in Oklahoma for the killing of the Moser family. But the judge, who was a kind judge, sentenced him to 300 years without parole. And this move angered the media and the public. Yeah, Cook but 300 years though, where was he gonna be sent? He was just going to be in Oklahoma jail. Oh, he's he in died. Oklahoma? Yeah. Cook was charged with the murder of Robert Dewey in California, and this was the trial that pleased the public. He was sentenced to die in the gas chamber of Sam Quinton, and I think you just showed his... Yeah, this is his mugshot from when he was in Alcatraz. Yeah, he was in he Alcatraz was, before he went to San Quentin. He was while he was waiting. The only quote that Billy gave to the media regarding his sentencing was this. Everybody hates me, and I hate every one of them. <laughs> I love it. He's got a rainbow <laughs> play with words. I just love his attitude. 
So he did pretty well on San Quentin's death row after he got there from his time in Alcatraz. Um, in fact, San Quentin's warden, Harley Teets, which Harley Teets? when I read that name, Harley Teets, I, I laughed. I did a five-year-old tee-hee-hee giggle about it, Harley Teets. He said of Billy that he has no other words for other prisoners. He has no conversations. He has no friendships. He is the most completely alone young man I have ever encountered. Definitely had a chip on his shoulder. God, oh, I could just imagine, like, he probably didn't even engage in conversation during these road trips. Just gun in your stomach, just drive. Which makes him more intimidating and threatening to me because you can't get to know him. In it's like, sense, it's definitely so the state of a psychopath because he feels nothing and he shows nothing. That's psychopathic behavior. So the automatic appeals for Billy, they were exhausted quickly and, and an execution date was set. He spent his final days in a very quiet resentment. And December the 12th, 1952 was Billy's last day on death row. And he didn't spend it any differently from all his other days. So he slouched in his cell. He was reading a newspaper. He listened to the radio through headphones and he refused to talk to the prison chaplain and he refused to talk to Warden Teats. Just didn't <laughs> care about anything. So I have Billy's last meal here. I always love to know their last meals. Billy ate his last meal of French fries. I agree. Chicken fried steak, green peas, two slices of pumpkin pie, coffee and milk. And he also had two biscuits that came with the meal, but he ate them after the pie they're obviously his favorite part on at 9 30 a.m on december the 13th 51 spectators stood in the witness room to the gas chamber cook stared at the faces of these deaf boyers as the doctor moved his stethoscope over his chest then without a word as he stepped over the threshold into the chamber cook jutted his elbow hard into the chaplain's stomach who doubled over winded whoa he like just totally gave him a quick elbow Right yeah, before. to the chaplain. The, to the chaplain, too. To the chaplain, to the man of God. Inside the chamber, Billy clenched his fists and he shook it at all the spectators. Um, they got him on the chair. They started strapping him down and he whispered something to the captain of the guard. And the captain of the guard just like kind of loosened his bonds a bit silently. The captain stepped out and the airlock door was slammed shut at 10.03 a.m. And the lethal cyanide eggs were dropped. Cook's hands. Oh, so wait, he wasn't in the, oh, he was in the electric chair? The gas was, chamber. The, oh, gas chamber, okay. Chamber, okay. yeah. Um, Cook's hands, they still remained clenched. He closed his one good eye. As the fumes began to fill the room, his hard look tattoo was still visible beneath the thick poisonous fog. He held his head back and he started inhaling the fumes, breathing in very hard. He didn't struggle against death. The only audible signs of his dying were three distinctive gasps. Born to kill, he would kill no more. And at 10.13, he was pronounced dead. Oh, Billy was gone. Yeah, no but, more unduly long road trips with Billy Cook. Well, he actually did. Because oh, he yeah. had one final adventure that was completely out of his control. And I think is the cherry on the top of this Sunday. So um, the hearse that was containing his embalmed body that was dressed in an ill-fitting pinstripe suit it had a white shirt and a black necktie, which is not his usual attire that we have seen from these pictures, which is like slacks and a leather jacket. He made a round ticket trip to Comanche, California. He was placed in an open casket in a hardware store. And this is the bright idea of a rich man called Boydston, 
who was always looking to make a, a quick book or two. He hung up a sign that said America's last desperado and he strung it up above him. And for the pleasure of a few coins, you could, f you could file past the uh, executed murderer in situ. Wow, so you could actually see, see America's spree killer, Billy Cook. Yeah, and lots of people did. Um, about 15,000 people did. Um, but Billy's sister, Cecilia, she threatened to sue. The public ag agreed that the whole kind of deal was um, grotesque. Did they preserve the corpse? Yeah, he was embalmed. Yeah, um, but I mean, how long can you really go with an embalmed corpse before it starts rotting? I'm, I don't know if a mortician should get involved. I imagine probably quite a quite longer than we think, probably. Huh. So he was cash off of that, though. Yeah, a few coins, fifteen thousand people. You're gonna yeah. make some. You're gonna make at least fifteen grand. So he was shipped back to Missouri in the dead of night, and um, two nameless relatives under a moonless night by flashlight in Joplin Peace Cemetery buried him in an unmarked grave. They say that the spirit of Billy is said to haunt the graveyard, and you can sometimes hear him out there on quiet moonless nights, rattling the chains to the cemetery gates. There he so, is. There's Billy Cook. He had some other tattoos. See, it does oh. just white screen again. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. It's, it's showing up for me. That's really odd. Okay, I'll share it again. It's showing up on mine. All right. Now do you see it? There he is. This is a very good looking. Yeah, he's got like a sailor's tattoo, hasn't he? It looks like an anchor to me. I've never been able to find pictures of that tattoo or a description of what it was. Yeah, I wonder why he has like a navy looking tattoo. Yes, I am hot for Billy. I will admit this. Bad boy Billy. I've had a bad boy crush on him since I was about 15. And Even though he is a dog killer. There this is. is the there's, grave. there's the grave. But it's unmarked though, right? It is unmarked, but his father is buried in this grave, and he's basically buried north of his father. Hmm. So you can see, like, dementia, you know, being crazy and greed, they're easy to understand. But I think, like, Cook is scarily different because he's a loner. He's coming at an unexpected angle to kill strangers. I mean, oh, well, at the time, like... it was an, an, an anomaly, right? This, like, never happened. We're used to hearing these stories of, like, people picking up people and killing them now. But in popular culture at the time, there was no one like this. Billy was the first. And he also had a huge impact on popular culture. So it, this is the start. I mean, they made the movie, yeah. Yeah, not only just that movie. This is like the rise of the teen delinquent. It's got to have been spurred on by his apathetic antics because before 1950, Cook was like kind of immersed in the role of the outlaw. He had experienced nothing throughout his life but reform schools, life on the road. And then he was, of course, killing on the road and he was dying in another place of reform. It's like kind of completing the cycle of his fucking brief existence. Yeah, no. I, I mean, so how old was he when he died? When they twenty-three, just twenty-three. Wow, just twenty-three, which is so young. And this he accomplished case... so much that Billy Cook in those <laughs> twenty-three years. Well, he actually did accomplish a lot through popular culture. Jim Morrison, he wrote the song "Riders on the Storm" about him. He also directed a short film in art school about him. We mentioned the Hitchhiker movie. There's the, the Hitchhiker with Rutger Hauer, but this is what's most famous to me. James Dean was said to have constantly carried around a picture of Billy in his wallet, and he adopted a lot of his attitude for his life-changing role in Rebel Without a Cause, which is exactly what Billy was. That's pretty much what Billy was. And he didn't really have a cause. He was just kidnapping people and murdering people at will, just for opportunity, so, I suppose. 
Billy's father once said of him that you'll never know where you'll end up. Well, maybe if Billy had been given like one fucking chance in life, he wouldn't have chosen his path to live by the gun and roam, and maybe he wouldn't have ended up in the gas chamber at the age of 23. I wonder, though, with Billy Cook, like, had his mother not died and had they not been impoverished, you know, I wonder if he still had a chip on his shoulder, you know? I mean, he had definitely had, like, antisocial behavioral issues at that time. Yeah, I think there's definitely a difference between being a sociopath and being a psychopath, though. Yeah, it's I think you can live quite even... happily as a sociopath and cause no one no harm. But I definitely think Billy, psychopaths are so rare, and I think Billy is definitely a psychopath. Well, the main difference between a psychopath and a sociopath is a psychopath, a psychopath no can compassion. have sociopathic tendencies, but a psychopath has no conscience. So I don't no think they even no care at all whether or not this, he's murdering these children. And murdering, you know, this. I don't think he even, it even bothered him. I don't even think he thought about yeah. it. Whereas a sociopath does typically have a, a weak conscience. You know, a very weak, even you know. if it's just for themselves. Because Ted Bundy had a conscience for yeah. himself. And I mean, I yeah. think they would they would think that. But I mean, a, a true psychopath just doesn't even care at all. And it sounds like Billy definitely did not give a shit about anything. <laughs> He's my favorite. <laughs> I love his attitude. But I mean, there you go. That's the, there's the first spree killer. And uh, American Spree Killer, the first of many. I mean, it's so commonplace now. Sadly. If some guy abducted a family and murdered a family of six, drove around for a bit, you know, you might read about it on like, you know, a true crime website or something. And you'd hear about it, you know, for about a week or two and then would just kind of fall off the map and no one really, really even think about it because this happens every week here. But in 1951 and 52, unheard of. I don't think anything like this had ever happened. Sadly started a precedent. It did, yeah. <laughs> People, this is episode uh, 783 here, Sick and Wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. Uh, we have phone calls a little bit later. But uh, first, here's a promo about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. No, you lay the mattress, you know, you'll just put down like some toilet paper so it doesn't like create splashback and it doesn't, it can drop nicely onto them. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You, you put a, you put like a layer of toilet paper it's like over the water? Yeah, you've laid the mattress and that way you can have, you can also have then a silent shit. So if you're worried about other people hearing you, hearing you just the... laid, you've laid the mattress. I've never heard this. This is yeah. like the pinnacle of British propriety. You know, it's crazy to me. Yeah. It, well, when you go for a shit in an American toilet, does everyone not within a three mile radius hear you because of how much fucking water it is? Is it, does no, it not create like a mini kind of like effect? No, it's the grunting usually. <laughs> we, eat a, we eat a lot of food. There's a lot of stuff to pass. It's all that corn syrup, by yeah, There's a lot of grunting. But also, I mean, it's, yeah, we're not making like a little fucking, a little you know, mattress, a little a shit little net. Like there's a catch it. Like, like it's like yeah. a trapeze dangling from your anus <laughs> and falling like, yeah, it's like fucking, this is like Cirque du Soleil, basically. You ever see that? The water one? It is, but. You know, it's but we shit, Britain, shit to Soleil. Shit. I'm is. not saying everyone lays a mattress. <laughs> I'm just saying that some people this... wink, wink. <laughs> I wonder if a lot of British women do this. This must be a British woman Probably. thing. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. 
Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. Don't you ever think... So the first story we have here has to do with an incorrigible prop comedian who cuts off his Pep Pep's ears. Yeah, he wanted some more props. He's all ears. Uh, Florida man here allegedly killed his grandfather, cut off his ears, and put them in his pockets. Okay. Definitely part of his, his uh, prop comedy routine. It's a regular carrot top, this guy. As his grandfather lay dead and bloodied on the front porch of their Lake County, Florida home this past Saturday, it's a week ago, Kobe Allen Parker stood nearby talking to sheriff's deputies about what happened that evening. Suddenly, he reached both hands into his front pockets, pulled out two human ears, holding one in each palm for the officers to see. It's his patented magic trick. Does it at every party. Did he not, like, give a quip then saying, I'm all ears, officers? Yeah. It's did like, he, I what, can't did he not, hear you. Did he yeah. not do, like, an Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando pun? He probably did. He had to. I have. fucking hope he did, because you've it's only a got great a opportunity. once in a life. Yeah. Like, uh, like Eminem said, you've got a once in a lifetime shot at that. And if he's yeah. going to ruin it by just going, Because, I mean, you're going to go to prison after this, so you might as well take the chance. Uh, Please confirm the ears belong to his 77-year-old grandfather, Ronald Wells Sr. And uh, they said that um, Parker had beaten, stabbed, and mutilated Wells after the pair got into a fight while smoking marijuana, which is odd. That is fucking odd. Typically, people don't engage in violent fights while smoking marijuana. Very, very rarely. However, this is Florida. So, so who yeah. knows what's in the marijuana out there, you know? Drago, the only thing you should basalt. be fighting about on marijuana is where you're going to get the pizza from. That's the yeah. only thing you should be fighting like, about. Like, it's, it's very odd for uh, anyone to, like, you know, have violent tendencies on marijuana. But it's Florida. That's why. There's a, a wild card here. Put them some slack. Investigators also found another unsettling item in Parker's bedroom. An apron hanging on the wall that said... The Family Butcher. It had two plastic, bloody human ears attached to it. Oh, this is hilarious. So this maybe... Is like living with Carrot Top. Well, maybe he was just adding more ears to the apron. He only had two, so maybe he's adding two more real bloody human ears. He's like an ear collector. A lot of people collect things. I collect vinyl records. You I know, collect you murder collect, media. Yeah, pictures of serial killers to wank to. Yes, um, so this cook. guy collects ears. You know, he's kind of like, you know, he's just doing what Ed Gein did. Where's where's the harm? Well, Ed Gein collected vaginas, right? He's collected all types. He made a little nipple belt. He also made an apron. I think his apron is made out of breasts. From what I could all right. Remember. Well, so this is just an ear, an ear apron. Yeah. So that he could I mean, hear. He's just collecting hear ears. Parker, uh, 30 years old, he was charged with second degree murder and assaulting an officer. So it all happened this last Saturday evening. Um, a neighbor reported a stabbing. Deputies arrived at uh, his Deland, Florida home, 6.40 p.m., and they found Parker there standing on the porch with blood-stained hands and arms next to his grandfather's severely maimed body. Not sure what he was doing all that time, just hanging out with his trophy, like Predator or something. Like I don't know what he's doing. Can you die from having your ears cut off? I know Chopper did it. Chopper didn't have his full ear cut off, but like you can. 
Well, did he kill you? Are you going to bleed that much? Because the ear is mainly cartilage. Did a bit more than just cut his ears off. I know, but I'm just thinking from that alone, could you die? And I don't, I don't think know. So. No. I'm not sure. I don't know if I don't know if you'd bleed bleed out that much from it. Chop Chop was a hard bastard. So, yeah. but he wouldn't. Die. I don't that think his granddad was a hard bastard. Yeah, this guy's also like a 77 year old man. Uh, police asked Parker to wait outside while they confirmed that the grandfather is dead. They found that Wells had several stab wounds and his ears were cut off. Parker, meanwhile, was telling officers that they'd gotten into an argument and Wells came at him with a knife. He claimed he was able to wrestle it away from his grandfather and proceeded to stab him in the heart. Come at me, bro. Because <laughs> it's your that. pep pep. You know, how, how, you know, how, how much could he really come at you? He's probably get like walks really slowly. Hey, wasn't there just that, that guy in Florida who fucking rescued his dog from the mouth of an alligator and he was, was he a pet pet? And he was a pet pet. He was old. He was in his sixties. 70 is like the new 50. That's what there are tough guy pet peps though. And this guy you could know. be a tough guy, Pepper. He's obviously a cool pep pep if they're smoking the marijuanas together and probably taking bath salts too. My, so, my pep pep got hit by the bus. He was a tough guy, pep pep. Was he? But yeah. not tough enough to survive getting hit by a bus. Though. He did survive getting hit by the bus. He died oh, of a heart he? attack at the hospital later, or I think on the in the ambulance afterwards. Yeah, he got oh, nailed shit. by a bus, lived through yeah. it, again, and had a quadruple bypass. That's what actually killed him. Shit, that is a hardcore pep pep. But he, um, I think it was like, because this is probably, let's see, he died in the 80s. I think it was like early 80s. Uh, he and my mom were walking down downtown Chicago somewhere. And some, like a kid, um, grabbed her purse, took off running. And my pep pep chased him down. Like this, because my, my pep pep died when he was like 86 or something. So he would have been like his 70s. Chased this kid down into like an abandoned building and ran up and tackled him on the stairs and held him. Till the cops wow. came and gave that. Yeah, he was like a tough guy, Pep Pep. Was Russian. he like the Jewish Dirty Harry? Yeah, he was kind of a fat guy too. But he was like one of those big guys, like a big Russian guy. Oh, right. You yeah, know? yeah. So, fucking Pep Pep. I yeah, know, I tough guy. So maybe pep this guy's. Maybe this grandfather here was a tough guy, Pep Pep, that was like, you know, they're smoking weed and he was sick of his the insolence of his grandson. Next thing you know, he's like, I'm going to come at you. And he's like, come at me, bro. And then uh, he Yeah, gets... they were just playing, now this is my knife. Now this is my knife, weren't Well, they? a sheriff's deputy asked Parker if he had any weapons, and he said yes. But after doing a pat-down, police couldn't find any weapons, only an unknown object in each pocket. These bloody pet peps ears, weren't they? This object was soft to the touch while being firm. Similar to a boner al dente, soft yet firm like <laughs> yet a baby's firm. arm. Yes, you know? I was about to say, that sounds like something I've held in the palm of my hand. <laughs> um, so he felt this thing, and it was soft yet firm, yet firm. Uh, but he didn't remove them. They then asked, um, or they then asked Parker what it was, and, uh, and they asked him, like, well, what happened to your uncle? Because he had an uncle who is the son of the grandfather, you know, Ronald Wells Jr. They're like, you know, where's your uncle? And he goes, oh, I know where he is. He stuck his hands in the front pockets. This is where he is. Pulled out the ears. And then he no. said, speak up. He can't hear you. That's what, yeah. Did he really say that? No, I just made that up. 
I was about to say you didn't say that, did he? Because you, why are you gonna do that and not just be like, he's ear. Hey. I know, but it's what? it's it's funnier than any Joe Carrot Top would have done. It is funnier. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, this guy was definitely not a very good prop comic. He should take it on the road though. He'd get better in time. Yeah, you've got to test it out for a live audience to see if the joke lands or fails. That's I also wonder what other body parts you'd have, like severed body parts. That were also soft yet firm to the touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ears turned out belonging to Parker's grandfather and not his uncle, Ronald Jr., who has not harmed the incident. Um, after doing his little comedy routine, though, he tried to steal the police officer's gun and taser. Um, wow. He kicked and headbutted three officers as they attempted Whoa. to restrain him and place him under arrest. And two officers, uh, you know, shot their tasers at him. Wasn't even effective. Jesus. Yeah. I, I suppose he, he wasn't shot. Well, he blocked the tasers with the ears. He had oh, okay. And then out. the ears got ears tasered. Thing. Yeah, no, I'm surprised he wasn't shot, but he's white. So, so of course he would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> White guy, white people don't get shot. You can headbutt police officers. You can kick them in their nuts. You know, you can cut people's ears off. You're not gonna get shot. Yeah, but don't breathe around them if you're black because you will yeah. die. No, if you're black and you if if you're black and you sneeze around a police officer, you're gonna get shot. I agree. Um, he was then taken to the hospital and transferred to uh, the county jail. Uh, once detectives arrived on the scene with a search warrant, they found evidence that seemed to contradict this young prop comedian's story. About the grandfather say. attacking him. They found an aluminum baseball bat stained with blood that was resting in the corner of the, in the, corner of the porch there. Detectives also noted, noted that there were gashes on the grandfather's arms that were consistent with defensive wounds. When they entered the kitchen and found a large kitchen knife with a wooden handle on the table, the knife was dripping blood onto the floor. So, Killed his pep pep, man. I think there was a surprise attack here on the pep pep. Um, Maybe Pep Pep wasn't stoned. Yeah, I don't think so. I think this guy was smoking whatever that basalt Florida weed that they have there. <laughs> and uh, that makes people like chew each other's faces off. And this is what happened. After his arrest, police say Parker admitted in a sworn statement that he struck his grandfather in the head with the bat until he fell to the ground. Then he retrieved a butcher knife from the table and stabbed the victim in the neck and chest multiple times. Afterwards... He cut off his grandfather's ears, but he said he didn't cut his arms, though. He was thinking about it, but just, oh, you know. Oh, cutting he, them off. Yeah, but he doesn't He doesn't have any bits right now with, for arms, only well, ears. Well, he didn't have any fucking bits for the ears, did he? <laughs> we fought of like 10 in this time, and he fought of none. I know. Um, investigators asked him, but why, why did you do that? Why did you attack your grandfather and murder him? He said that he wanted his grandfather to be with his deceased grandmother. Quote, oh, how sweet. It was his time to go. How sweet of him. Yeah, but who is he? Judge Dredd? Like white trash Judge Dredd? He decides who gets to live and who gets to die? You did not sully Judge Dredd's good name in this household, D. You take that back. <laughs> Judge Dredd has nothing to do with bath salts. You know what the pun I would have made if I'd have um, cut his arms off and was waving them around? I'd have been like, oh, yeah, I'm dead tired. I've just flown in. Ooh, that that would have worked. That's a good prop yeah, comedian see, joke. That could yeah. work with the arms. Yeah, I'm getting a job on SNL. What would you do with this severed cock? With his soft yet firm severed cock, I would disappear into the bedroom for several hours. <laughs> that's a, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> hopefully, that's what you think. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's that's an awful story there. You know, that's what happens when you have uh, an incorrigible prop comedian as a grandson. Ugh. Yeah. That's terrible. Nobody wants that for their children. That's another thing I don't want for Shmuley to be a prop comedian. No, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. No Dungeons yeah. Dragons, no Carrot Top for you, Shmuley. What do you have here for the second story? So I had that a Louisiana man indicted for allegedly using Grinder to find gay men to kill and eat. You know, I feel bad like for gay men because, well, think about it though. Like Grinder, any guy is going to show up at your house. I don't even think they care. Like if you're a serial killer that wants that's gay. You you, you have grinder. your pickings. Like you can do whatever you want. Like if you're you know like Ted Bundy, you got to go on Tinder and and swipe left and then engage in a little bit of banter and then go meet for a drink before you're either gonna come close to getting this girl you know in your car and 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 murdering her and shoving her in, your, in the boot of your your car. You know. Whereas like if you're a gay guy that wants to murder other gay men, you just go on Grinder and be like, hey, I got meth. And within five minutes, so you got to do it at your house, and then yeah, and then you just you take your pick, you know. So a federal court has indicted, indicted, and charged Chance Seneca. This is this guy's name, a 19-year-old Louisiana man with a hate crime and five other criminal acts. Chance the indictment. Seneca. Yes. Is that how you his name? Doesn't it sound like Chance like Seneca? He, it sounds like a um, he should like be a in like fake... block party or something. It sounds like came a sugar replacement. You get the Seneca. <laughs> oh, just put some Seneca on that. It's good for people with diabetes. So this indictment alleges that Seneca he used Grinder, which is a hookup um, app for men. For those who don't know, um, for men to have sex with other men. That's what it is. It's not so they can find everlasting love. Hmm. And he used it to find a gay man to kill. Uh, Seneca hoped to eat his victim's body parts and save other parts as mementos and trophies. Was he a uh, power bottom? I think this guy was definitely a power top with a knife. Um, yeah. That's what he wanted it to be. Well, he so wanted June trophies 19th, too then. He might have kept the ears. He might have kept the ears. I imagine that this guy would have come up with a joke as well. Because he, he seems probably, a bit more on the ball. He probably would have kept the cocks. He kept the cocks. <laughs> on June the 19th and the 20th of 2020, last year, he attempted to kidnap an 18-year-old Holden White, and he tried to dismember him. Holden White, who was then 18, was throttled, had his wrists cut, and his neck sliced in a bathtub of bloody water. Ooh, the attack right. happened when he met Chance, 19, for the first date. For the first date, he just went around to his house. He was like, you see what That's I mean? I'm telling you. It's like if you're an opportunistic gay serial killer, like a gay slayer, it'd be so – like, think about it's Dahmer. Easy. Dahmer's like, I don't even need to get on a, you know, a train and go to Chicago and go to a gay bar, talk to some guy, and get him to come back with me. I just go on Grinder and say, hey, well, I even, have meth. Even the police were giving victims to Dahmer. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if, if, it was, if, if Dahmer had Grinder, I bet you'd have been like, it's my favorite app. It's so much easier. It's like oh, ordering yeah. a pizza. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Literally a pizza for Dahmer with his plans. Yeah. Flesh so, pizza. <laughs> Uh, White, who is also from Louisiana and is openly gay, has been physically scarred for life. He shared his story with um, the local news outlets in a bid to prevent others from going through similar trauma. Mm. So he's continuing his recovery. He's landed a new job. He's also had a crowdfunder raised and that has made now more than $100,000 to help hmm. him get back on his feet. So is it worth See? it? So they had met on, well, yeah, for $100,000 to still be alive. 
and you've got you very buy little a lot scars. Of therapy with that, yeah. Okay. They had met on the grinder. Um, they'd been messaging actually for about a month before he began. Before he was oh. like, "Sure, I'm going to come over to your house," which is longer than what I thought. I thought this would have taken space within about two hours. Yeah, I think. Hours. But the way my brother, my brother said he like. <laughs> They send a message like, hey, and then he just sends, the guy just sends a picture of his cock. And then my brother's like, come over. I've got meth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they use code words because he got Is- banned from Grinder for not using a co- code word. So I think they use like Tina or I don't know what their term is. You told are. me that recently and I laughed till I cried. Yeah. About your brother being banned. <laughs> banned <laughs> for public en- enemy number one on Grinder. That's so funny. You got banned yeah. from it. So it was only a short while into this date when White recalls that his attacker pulled a cord around his neck and he began throttling him until he blacked out. Hmm. He said that when I woke up, I was in his bathtub naked. The water was running and it's cold. He's in the process of doing my left wrist, which he means like the guy, the attacker, Seneca, he was cutting his wrists horizontally. Oh, so he was like sawing his wrist off. He was trying to cut off his hands. He partially recalled how his other wrist was also cut and his neck sliced as he lay in the tub. The neck was more like a torturing stage because he was doing it so slowly and deliberately. So he was just trying to, you know, probably getting some sadistic pleasure out of this. Ooh, probably. Yeah. Uh, he said again, I want to say he was trying to go for the cartroid artery, but he missed. He would take the tip of the knife and he was twisting it into my throat each time. And it's left him with at least six scars, but you can't really see them now because they've healed very good. I love the fact yeah. you said that. He was like, you can't see my scars. They've healed really well. well He's like giving himself a prop. Probably got some yeah. plastic surgery. Yeah. So he kept passing in and out of consciousness, but at one point, um, Holden White uh, awoke and he recalled feeling really cold. He was seeing the bloodstained water and his attacker was looking down at him. And he was just staring at me with a fearful look in his face. Like, I I just did this kind of look, he said. Well, that's that's kind of odd. So this kid who planned out this, this murder, this, this yeah, this attack, all of a sudden felt like a pang of remorse. Like he was sitting there like- Must- what am I Couldn't doing? Go free like, of it. Yeah, like at a lucid moment or something. So yeah. um, Holden was like just laying in this fucking cold bath with all his like, you know, blood running out of him. And he was thinking he was about to die. And he, he was just saying to himself, like, stay calm over and over in his head. And then Seneca, for whatever reason, he called the cops. He called the pigs in. He oh, told yeah. the operator that he just murdered a man and he would wait for the police and he'd be outside his house. Just wait. Wow, he did. He did like have like a guilt trip here over this whole thing. He must have had a major guilt trip. So he's been arrested, charged, second degree murder, and he remains jail with um, a quarter of a mil bond. You gotta, you know, one thing you kind of have to give him props for is that uh-huh. you know he did it in the bathtub. At least he knew there was gonna be a mess. He wanted to like make sure the blood goes down the drain. It's like yeah, with water as well, so it'll bleed out faster. There yeah, is some forethought some there. Sucks it was a cold bath. I know it should have been like a, at least like lukewarm. Lukewarm, yeah. I mean, yeah, because was... like the cold's also gonna wake them up, so you need to make it um, yeah. lukewarm. I would say for a some calming murder. music, some you know scented candles. You can oh, really set just, the scene here with this. This is lovely. What will you put some like what Kenny G on? Yeah, maybe, maybe something more soothing like Enya. Oh, I was thinking Neil Diamond. Or uh, do you ever? What was that band? Enigma. Do you remember them in the '90s? Enigma. Are they like one of those tr- kind of trance kind of? Well, sort bands? of. It was like this new age kind of music. They had this song like 
I know we talked about it on the on the show before. They had, but it was like a Native American being like, hey, yeah, sadness. Part one. It's just, I it's, remember that. God, I, I, I would can't almost tell you the last play it, but that. then we'll get pinged here on uh, YouTube with a copyright violation. But go check it out. Enigma, <laughs> whatever the song is, that Native American guy. Yeah. Um, that's what I would put on, and then I would just probably get a better saw, like not a knife to cut through his hand. Probably yeah, a, like saw, a, a serrated blade. Yes, yeah, at least a serrated word. blade. Um, the police department, they've said that they're not investigating the incident as a hate crime. But Holden White and his family say that the attack was homophobically motivated because they're pointing to this guy's Facebook account, which um, belonged to Seneca. It features a profile picture of Jeffrey Dahmer, who we all know is the cannibal serial killer who murdered 16 men and boys from 1978 to 1991. White said that he didn't notice the picture on his Facebook before they met. Oh, you got to be kidding me. You don't think this dude looked him up? He had, they've been talking for what, a month or two? He didn't even look him up on Facebook? He clearly didn't. Although maybe he was like, oh yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, he's pretty cute. You know what? He probably, because he's like only 19, he's probably like, who's this cutie? It's <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> well, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer is commonly considered one of the more attractive yes. serial killers. You know? um, yeah, he's pretty cute. Like, he's had his good days and his bad days, but he wasn't horrible to look at. I think that to would me, be a bit of a warning sign, though, when you go to like, you know, this potential lover's page and they got like Dahmer as their profile pic. But you say that, but to somebody like me, I'd be like, oh my God, this guy knows who Jeffrey Dahmer is. Yeah. It would be a selling point for me. But would you do a little further investigation? Yes, I would ask him. I'd be like, have you read the Brian Masters book about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer? When he said no, I'd be like, okay, deny. Poser. Um, so his mother told the local news store, um, station shortly after the attack, I just don't understand what he could have done to someone so horrible to deserve to die. She said that her kid was a good kid. And then she added, he stands for the gay pride thing. He's won all sorts of trophies for acting. He's a good kid and he doesn't do drugs. Yeah, but he goes to random dudes' houses and takes yeah, a cold bath. Yeah, grinder. Yeah. Um, so... He spent a month in the hospital before he was let out. He has since landed a new job and he's continuing rehabilitation. Uh, he's also begun raising questions about the police response, calling for a hate crime conviction. Because you know, he says, what were you going to say? Well, wait, maybe uh, oh, okay. with your statement I'll here. say, yeah. He said that comment. he could have done this to a woman. Instead, he chose to do something to someone who's gay and proud about his sexuality. He chose to go on the app grinder. He went on an app designated for gay people. He chose to choose someone who is gay and very proud of his sexuality. And hmm. he said that he, apparently, this is what the killer was, the killer, the attempted killer had said in prison. He said he chose me because I have a smaller stature and it'd be easier to kill me. He knew what he was doing. Well, I mean, he definitely sounds like an opportunistic killer, but is it a hate crime if he's also gay? Like, if he wasn't a gay guy, but he was targeting gay guys because he hated gay people, then I can see a this. Hate crime. But I'm, well, I guess we don't know. I mean, does this guy hate gay people? Like, maybe he's a self loathing homosexual. So he's taking maybe. out on other gays, which, in that case, would that also be a, that probably would also be a, would be a hate crime. But maybe it's like we're saying. It's because it's easier to go on Grinder and get someone to come over That's your house I think. than He's it is on Tinder. He's just like, yeah. I have to put so much effort into Tinder. 
You know, got to go would. to Olive Garden. Got to make conversation for forty-five minutes. Olive you Garden. Know, yeah, buy her a cup <laughs> of white wines and then, you know, pretend that I like you know fucking Gilmore Girls, this, and then I'm gonna get her back to my house. This is why you're single. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> it's like it's I a like lot of Gilmore effort. Girls. Well, grinder. I mean, it's just like you know, hey, got porn and meth. Come on over. Holden White, he's also questioned, this is part of his whole investigation of the police. The police did not offer a rape kit um, to gather evidence or not on whether he'd been sexually assaulted, and he feels like they should have. Hmm. I don't well, know if that's a point. I is guess. It? I mean, what if the police are like, ew, gross. Ew, <laughs> <You> gross. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I'm surprised, actually, they didn't check to see if he had, you know. He'd been raped. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's considering the circumstance. Maybe, but it doesn't Seems look like, like it was a sexually motivated crime. But yeah, it is probably an oversight. So his yeah, next court sure. appearance is a pre-trial hearing scheduled for March the 3rd. So that's been and gone. So we're going to hear, it, this is going to play out in the press. And I wonder how long he'll get. I wonder how well he'll fare in prison. Well, yeah, if he does like Grinder and he's using that for his own means, I think he'll do very well in prison. Yeah, he might actually meet some friends. You know. Yeah, he will. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good place for him to be. Uh, people send your stories podcast at gmail.com we have some phone calls coming up next 323-522-4032 actually one of these calls is a uh, a jail story about getting arrested nice yeah. I mean have you ever been arrested Kate Rambo? I have never been arrested I am a good girl D. Simon but I have been in the back of a, a police paddy wagon a few times whoa for whoring? For slutting it about on the streets. Yeah, they've booked me in the back of the wagon. Huh. Well, I'm I'm sure that's like common for most northern slags. Oh, it is. It's, we're all used to it. It's, it's just a Thursday six night. Six times a year. <laughs> a, quiet, a quiet Thursday. <laughs> it's a quiet Thursday night. Um, I've only been arrested once, actually. So. Yours was well, for actually, pissing. I take it back twice, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, Yours wasn't for anything too naughty. No, no, it wasn't even that no. bad, so... But anyway, we're going to hear what happened to uh, this one guy who calls in, foreign guy, nice. about getting arrested. Ooh, even better. But first, here's a word about um, adamandeve.com. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Uh, remember, people, keep it under three minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll play it here on the show. This first call is a guy who's very concerned, very concerned about my sister and her husband, Jer's reluctance to have baby Shmuley circumcised. Oh my God, is it Jeffrey? Could be. No, it isn't. It's another person who's very <laughs> concerned. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, they named baby Shmuley. They didn't name him at the hospital. They named him like a couple of days later. My sister was all freaked out. She's like, we got to come up with a name. And she was like going through the list. She settled on Ozzy Scott Wilson. He looks like an Ozzy. Ozzy. He, lo- he, he genuinely looks like an Ozzy. I was hoping she'd be, you know, spelled O-Z-Z-Y, but she's doing O-Z-Z-I-E. Oh, kind of like how, that's nearly like, like how Ozzy you and Harriet. Oh, or like somebody from Australia. Because Australia would be A-U-S-S-I-E. 
Yeah, but call them you, an Aussie. people, you know, have been named Ozzy with an IE, but... He is going to get his name misspelled throughout his whole life, just to let you know. He's going to spell it with a Y. Rightly so. It should be O-Z-Z-Y, because that's how you spell Ozzy. I'd like to think that she's naming him after Ozzy Osbourne, but I don't think so. They're not huge Black Sabbath fans. Jer likes Sabbath. Yeah. My sister's He looks like Ozzy, though. He looks like an Ozzy. It's cool. It's a cool name, man. Uh, Anyway, uh, this guy's named Walter, and he's very concerned about them not circumcising Shmuley. Oh, David and Caitlin. Uh, This is Walter from Connecticut. A uh, quick uh, couple notes on circumcision. I would highly recommend it because my wife and the Pediatric Association, we had a disagreement, and the Pediatric Association said it wasn't necessary, and it turned out to be a thing that should have been done because they were not peeing well after five years old, and they were trickling and struggling to pee, and we had to have the operation. Wait a second. Why? You can pee with a foreskin. Like, does it block the urine? You can, but when the foreskin's too tight, this is usually when they will cut it off. They usually know around that age, or before that age, this kid should have been struggling to pee, and they take the foreskin Okay. I do not own a foreskin. So... (laughs) (laughs) I have a drawer full of them. Um, I've got a drawer full of foreskin. But when you pee... Do you have to pull the foreskin back when you pee? No, what most men in uh, Britain and like Europe do is they pull the foreskin totally over the cock, over over it and hold it tight. And then they pee and they fill it up like a balloon and then they just unleash it into the toilet. That's oh, what they that's do. That's how men pee. All right. That's well, how I'm... real men pee. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he didn't teach his son how to pee properly. And the, the thing is, you're, you're supposed to pull back the hood, and and who the hell wants to do that? Particularly when I'm working. So anyway, Americans. <laughs> this guy's just like, I'm not gonna teach this fucker how to like pull his fucking hood back and t- just cut the shit off. Like we we don't need to do this. I got things to do. I got yeah. places to be. It's like the height of laziness. <laughs> like, I'm Take not an gonna extra- do this. Not point two seconds to pull some skin back? No, there's a better way, honey. And I know yep. what you can do. I wonder if that's why the Jews do it. It's just like, oh, God, now I got to go grab this little kid's fucking dick skin and pull it back and the hood. Oh, I can fall. Let's just cut it off. Don't have to deal with it. And they can just go pee. I bet you that's the way it worked. I bet you it know? is. The very first brie. Brie. Recommend it. And a funny story. The um... funny story. Child, one of the... Ch- Children of my two sons, they were in the in the bathtub two, uh, three, four days after the operation. Is he talking about himself? I know his wife may be a member of the pediatric board, as he's saying, but is he just talking about himself and he's using his wife's cover to cover up the fact that he's had to he's had foreskin problems? I don't know. It sounds like he's. It sounds like he's a dad. We're all friends here. Yeah, but Walter, we're all friends here. Like, if this is what has happened to you, Walter, don't feel ashamed. You can just tell us that it was your foreskin. I'm thinking it it sounds like it's his son. He sounds like a dad, doesn't he? He kind of sounds like someone famous. I'm trying to think of his voice. I love the fact that his wife is like a member of this pediatric board, and she's coming back and being like, well, honey, I've got some more stories about these kids' foreskins. Well, no, it sounds like them all off. it sounds like the the pediatric association saying no, it's fine. You can keep his foreskin, and they're they got into a disagreement, saying like, no, we should cut it off. 
Oh, I thought he said his wife was a member of the board of pediatrics, and it's all these are some stories that she's no, been filtering the, back to him. I think the board of pediatrics and the doctors that the doctors oh. are like, oh, it's fine. You can just let him. You know, it's, you should just let him keep it. Well, do you know what, mate? There's a lot of fucking people in Europe who all have foreskins, and uh, none of them are forming boards to, to, like, cut off foreskins. Yeah, but they're making big bubbles of urine in their pinched foreskins that they're spraying all over Yeah, that's how real men pee. (laughs) A little rubber boat that had a uh, a little propeller with a battery in it, and it got caught around the gauze and that was on there protecting it, and it started ripping it apart and the kid was in agony so uh how is this funny <laughs> jesus walter, christ that did not happen walter wait, don't wait a bring second to the sick and wrong podcast and lie to us walter wait a second so the kids got had to get get a chop because he probably was forcing was too tight they had to get a cut he's got gauze on it would you be putting him in the bath well, this is like remember when I said um, my pal Franken Dick. He had he was old. He was like twenty two, and he oh, had God. his foreskin removed. It's supposed to be way painful at that point. He, it was way painful, but it was also hilarious. Um, and he had to have salt baths twice a day. And he said oh, that first salt. salt bath that he had after the operation. So he was in hospital, and he had to stay overnight. And the next day in the morning, he had to go home and have a salt bath. And he said he has never cried as hard. Is that moment when his dick touched the salt? Yeah, he was. He was like agony. Said, but then after like five days, it was totally healed, and he was getting out in the pub, and there was like stitches in it, and we were all laughing, calling him Franken Penis. He survived. Sea salt though does have healing properties. Well, it definitely did for his Franken Penis. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I used to stretch my ears back when I used to gauge my ears, they'd always get they'd always like slice his skin and get infected. So you had to dip it in sea salt. That and... fucking smell of stretched ears. Oh, is it's so gross. Rank. Oh, oh my so God, gross. it's the most gross thing. I had a boyfriend who stretched his ears real big. And sometimes we'd be sat watching telly and it would just pop out. Like, just because of the pressure and just like that fucking smell of it. Did he just ever like, just put Ugh. his finger in it and just put it under your nose? Oh, it was massive. Like... He could have put No, but I mean, did he, ever, did he ever just put his finger yes, in it and put it under I your know. nose while you're sleeping? fucking rank. No, he did that while oh. I'm awake. And I imagine <laughs> you did that as well. Get back here, Walter from Connecticut. Uh, I would say a circumcision, like your father said, it's probably a good thing. So, all right, take care now. Well, Aww. my father and said it's a covenant with God. Love your show. My father said. Oh, bless you, Walter, for your little take care at the end. I like you, Walter. Yeah. Well, back. he calls back with part two. He's oh, my part God, two. A little more Brilliant. Walter Thanks. for you. I love the name Walter as well. Yes, hi. Uh, Walter, as a follow-up, I, there was a couple things I wanted to mention. The uh, when, they, uh, when they finally got the operation, like a, a week later, they could pee normal and it, it was like a fire hose so and i was proud of them we went hiking and then they were they they, they felt it's a hell of a stream you got there boy reminds me of the <laughs> old man oh, yeah i love the medicine he's proud of it <laughs> walter and if you wait too long the operation i think is more painful and it's more expensive so um yeah because it's a bigger foreskin at that point not over here where we've got the NHS, Walter. It's all fucking free and dandy. Yeah, but it still probably hurts a bit more. 
think you're it, yeah you it hurts but i mean it done. it's not like you have to pay for the pleasure of it it's free that's true you tell uh you tell your son-in-law not son-in-law your brother-in-law brother that you better get that done quick <laughs> all right take care now when I go up there uh, in a couple of weeks and be like, you better get that done, Jeff, quick. I, I love how all like the listeners are now starting to get embroiled in this. Should Ozzy have his foreskin or should he not? Because do you know what? I'm going to take a totally different stance to Jeffrey just to start family fights. And I think that Ozzy should keep his foreskin because it's more normal over here. You're born with a foreskin. Keep it. Why get rid of it? Well, it's normal over there. It's abnormal over here, and women are just, like, freaked out by it. So I say chop that thing off. But Ozzy, because he has British heritage, might be like, fuck the States. I'm going to go and live over in my ancestral home of uh, Britain. And then he'll come over here, and the women will be like, oh. Well, to be fair, D, I've dealt with dicks that have a foreskin. I've dealt with dicks that don't have a foreskin. Guess what? All ends in the same results. I guess, but there's smegma on one and there is no smegma on the other. I've never met. I can't <laughs> tell you. I've spent like 10 months telling you this now. I've never met a dick with smegma. You like have to how... be a dirty fucker to get smegma. Well, a lot of men are. I like how you think that Ozzy's going to leave sunny California and move to fucking England. The worst weather ever. Oh, yeah. But what? There's a lot more going in England, isn't there? Like I just said, the NHS. And he might be like his humor Do might be more British. Better, uh, better vacation policies, but I don't know if we the have better, better vacation would would make me leave. Like I mean, it's like it's like seventy eight degrees here today. Well, will Ozzy ever be able to afford to buy his own flat in San Francisco? Maybe if he's circumcised. Oh, because that's <laughs> all the goodness comes to circumcise. I'm gonna send Jer a message this week, being like. Let the baby keep his foreskin. You know what? I remember... I'm starting a family fight. There was uh, this convert, this group of converts like that I converted to Judaism that my dad was like coaching through. And like the, the mother and father were like, yeah, we want to convert to Judaism. And uh, we want our, you know, our boys to, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be Jewish. And my dad was just like, well, there's a certain matter we got to take care of here. Is it these kids? The kid was like 14 and the other one was, oh, I think, shit. like, yeah, like 11 or 12. And he made them get him chop, chop, like both of them. And I, I remember being like, wow, dude, that sucks. Because I was around the same age and I was just like, dude, that fucking blows. Like, you, in order to join the club here, you got to get snipped. Even you was know? the dad already snipped? I, you know, I think the dad was snipped, but they were also he must like, have been. but I think they also were just kind of like, you know, probably parents in the seventies and, and they were like, we're not going to mutilate our kids. And then well, they know 20 they years later, to. chop their kids dicks, you know, tips of their dicks off. More foreskin for Ozzy, That's what I say. More Jews always have him. to have 10% off everything. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Walter. Um, and uh, I'm going to pass your words of wisdom on to my brother-in-law. I think it will fall on deaf ears, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. But the, the audience, if you guys there. have any kind of uh, strong opinions on whether or not young Ozzy should get uh, um, uh, circumcised, feel free to call in and let us know. All right, this last call we have here is from the Swede. 
Nice. He's a popular uh, user of the Discord. Um, good, good egg. Frequent contributor. Yeah, he's a good egg. He calls in about getting arrested, which will be interesting because nice. I don't know what it's like to get arrested Swedish in Sweden. jails. Yeah. I only know it from, um, obviously, it's Norway, but I only know what the jails are like because of uh, Varg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which wasn't a bad jail at all. Like, you get to have a keyboard. He went to a lovely Norwegian yeah. jail. Yeah, yeah where he got treated like a little princess. Yeah. So, I imagine Swedish jail is the same. Hello, Mr. D, Miss Kate. This is a Swede. Uh, I heard you were asking for a going to jail story, and I think this might fit the bill. Um, I moved to Norway after my school graduation, uh, like. 13 years ago, and uh, I started working three shifts in, um, in... You know, his English accent's actually not bad. Like, his Norwegian-Swedish-English accent's not bad. You've never been to Scandinavia, have you? No. They I mean... all speak... They speak better English than me, mate. I love... What I love about all of them as well, they're like, uh, please excuse me, my English is terrible. And then they, they just rail off words where you're like, what is that? I've never even heard that English word before. They're masters of English. Yeah, it's not bad. ...version of the Cochrane factory, basically. And I made a really good friend there on my shift. Uh, No need for names, but he was from South America, and um, he had all the stereotypical traits, you know, the good and the bad. Very nice to his friends, but not so nice against assholes. Uh, (laughs) When he's like Scarface or something, is that like a (laughs) South American trait? (laughs) I know, it's like, say hello to my little friend. (laughs) You're racist. (laughs) He came to me after a shift was through uh, with, and he told me that he needed my help. And I was like, sure, what can I do? And he told me that his 14-year-old sister had been diddled by a local kid uh, when she was passed out drunk. And he wanted me to help him beat this guy up, which was fine, because when it comes to young people being taken advantage of, uh, I I, I can't refuse, you know. Wow, yeah, you know, I've never been in that situation, but if a friend of mine was like, this dude raped my daughter, you know, I think I would definitely help them in that situation. Yeah, go over and lever them. Yeah, I think uh, I I would... I don't know if I'd be able to, like, I don't think I'd be talk him out of it either. I think he'd be like, yeah, that guy deserves to be leathered. You yeah, and um, yeah, I would agree I love that you. term. Getting leathered. Getting leathered. Yeah. It's not a white knight thing, but, you know, you, you want to help. You it's can understand his, his pain and his anger. Uh, the problem was that when we had given the guy uh, quite a beating, his brother came and collected him in his car. And put him in a boot and told me to that I had to come had to come along. Okay. <laughs> it's getting complicated now. <laughs> so wait, you go over there, you give this guy a, a, a good leather. A levering. He's, he's yeah. beating up. The brother shows up and they put him in the boot in the trunk of the car. Yeah, why would the brother why, why not put brother? him in the back seat of the car? Yeah, or in the passenger seat. Oh, and why would they like now you get in this fucking car? Yeah, but then no. on top of that, I would be like, I'm not going to get in the car. I just beat the no. shit out of this guy and we I'd shoved like, him in the this trunk. Is, this is done now. This is over with. Well, boot I of the if car. The... I've got to say that boot of the car is a much nicer way to call the trunk. Isn't yeah, boot just I, I more delightful? Like the term boot. Yeah, Boots, trunk, yeah, trunks is like an elephant's trunk. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wonder if the brother, though, was in on it. 
Because the brother must have, I mean, he diddled some girl's kid. That's true. He kind of, that's The brother might have been like, you guys got to teach him a lesson. You know? I don't know. That definitely feels like there's more to that part. But he only has three minutes to tell the story. You've got to edit yourself down, haven't you? I think he's doing a pretty good job so far. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm enthralled. Uh, so we drove him to the, his apartment building. Uh, they took him down in the cellar. And they sat him down in a chair and, and bound him up. And this is when I was like, whoa, shit. Wow, so his brother did this. No, I think what, oh, maybe he means the guy who has come to him from South America asking for help. Oh, the South American guy's the brother. The brother. Yeah, the brother of him. That's who oh, I think he means okay, now. okay, okay. All I right. don't think he means the, the, uh, victim's the, the pederast. Brother. I thought it was the pederast Yeah, he doesn't mean brother. the pederast. Okay, no, okay, he means all right, all right. It's late at night. It takes me a little while to uh, piece together well, I all the also information. Got so, yeah. okay, that makes sense. So, the South American guy's brother shows up. They shove him in the boot, drive him to the cellar, tie him up to a chair. At this point, yeah, at this point is definitely getting now, into like is... the advanced levels of, uh, of intimidation and torture. This is like James Bond territory is about to begin. Yeah, this is like I'm. I'm expecting that scene from Taken, one of my favorite scenes. Remember where he like makes that makeshift like electric chair and like yeah. <laughs> hooks it up to like the light switch, and every time he turns on the switch, it like electrocuted the guy's balls. That's it. Yeah, it's cool. I'm hoping for that too. That's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen here. And then they got these portable like one platter stoves out. Um. And basically put his feet into water and started to boil. <laughs> and oh. um, of course, I didn't want to be there for that. Uh, but I was basically told by his relatives that this was a matter of honor. And I got the feeling that I would catch a beating or worse if I left. Ooh, um, that's a weird situation. The guy lived, but we were picked up by police on our workplace like two days after and they took us to the station for interrogation and uh, well I was I was in the local county jail for four days but I was later released when uh, it was basically testified that I only witnessed it and I had to witness in court uh, I got a fine for the beating and I got a mark in my registry but that was the end of of that for me, thank God. Um, coming up to three minutes, so next story is going to be a permanent marker butt plug story from Thailand. Thank you guys, yeah. and thank you for everything Whoa. you're doing. Love you guys. Bye. Hell of a teaser there. Sweet. <laughs> you got airing in that story. Oh my so, word. What happened though? Were you just? Did you just avoid the South American? Did the guys get deported? Yeah, like because obviously you can't go through that and then kind of witness against them in court and expect things to be like all happy as Larry at work, can you? No, Although that yeah, guy, I imagine, don't... would have been in jail. Yeah, I imagine that guy probably would have been in jail or probably deported if if he wasn't if he's South American. You know, he was probably season. the only South American guy in all of Norway. Pretty easy to pinpoint, you know. It's fucking easy to pinpoint. It's yeah. like. There's like one person of color in all of Scandinavia and it was him. 
Yeah, that's got to be a, that's a weird situation. How the whole family's involved. They're torturing this guy, and you got to like sit there and be like, I was just I just signed up for the beating. All right, all I wanted to do is give him a beat down. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I just leave that. and go home? You I know? don't want to boil this dude's flesh, and now I'm yeah. watching it. Oh, like, do you think like if you boiled somebody's flesh while they're still alive, would it start to like smell? Like you know when you boil hot dogs in water, it's got that particular smell to it. Do you think it would be like that? I don't know. Like, do you think pieces of skin would just slough off? Well, look, it would, because that's how Whitney Houston died. And when they pulled her out of when the bathtub, her skin. Her feet were being boiled by a bunch of South Americans? She boiled alive. She oh. boiled alive. Really? In yeah. What? You don't know how, in a bath. You don't know how I Whitney Houston died. I thought she OD'd and, and, and just no, died in the bathtub. No, she had taken her usual level of meth, just like enough that wouldn't kill fucking anyone. Well, heroin. She was in, didn't do meth. She did like meth and crack. She was on crack and oh. she took her usual amount of drugs, but oh. she got into such a hot bath that it caused her to have a heart attack. She passed out and then she drowned in the bath. But because the bath was so hot, when the invested, when the fucking morticians or whoever arrived on the scene tried to pull her out of the bath, her skin slipped off her body. That's Whoa, how hot so she it was. was. Just bones? She was just or like fucking muscle. the open muscle layer of, yeah, the underneath epidermis. And that's how Whitney Houston died. She basically boiled to death. She drowned slash boiled to death. God. And that's the only in the hotel that's down at the end of, is it the end of Melrose? I don't know. Is the Beverly that's Hills where hotel? she died. Yeah, that's where she died. Can you get a room? You can get her room. It's can you open. take a bath in that bath? I think they've done an investigation as to how hot the bath water was, and it was at like forty degrees. Sounds like it's like hot as hot as McDonald's coffee. And that was like coffee. two hours after they picked her up as well. Ooh, huh. Look at us talking about Whitney Houston. Yeah, I wonder I if you can. Yeah, I'm gonna go there and take a bath in the bath just for, you know. You could look. I'm Instagram. Seasoned, <laughs> I'm a seasoned bath goer, and even that is too hot for me. No, yeah, that I sounds that it. sounds gnarly. Well, sweet. That's a that was a fascinating story. It's way better than the time I got arrested for urinating in public. Um, <laughs> that's a way better story. <laughs> and, the, and God, the end. I want to hear the next story about the Swede in Thailand. Yeah, I want to I follow up on that. I, I love these arrest stories. You know, I, love the, them I don't know more. why out of, you know, after 15 years of doing this fucking show that we've never been like, call in with your arrest stories. Because I'm assuming a lot of people that listen to the show have been arrested at least once. Arrested. Yeah, I would like to hear the rest stories. I want Adam to ring back definitely with more Jap- Japanese because there were still some questions he never answered, and I like Adam. Yeah, no, Adam from Tokyo is good And guy. where an Indiana Bones, I want him, I bet he's done something with his life. I want him to ring back just for my own delights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people call the Snicker on hotline, 323-522-4032. Um, Every week we promote the Reddit page, but that Reddit page is thriving. There's a lot of people. There's like 500 people on there uh, posting some seriously gross shit. Uh, just go to Reddit. Do a search for r slash sick and wrong podcast. No spaces. Um, I, I posted some funny stuff there this, this week. Can't yeah, I've been a bit absent from Reddit and Discord this week. I'm sorry, guys. I've just had a crazy fucking week, but I'll be back Busy. to it. Get back on yeah, the I'll horse. Be, I will back be back horse. on the horse next week. Yeah. Yeah, go check out the Reddit page. Also, uh, thank you to everybody for signing up on the Sick and Wrong Patreon. There's a lot of uh, lot of action on the Patreon. 
And what's cool too yeah. is when people sign up for Patreon, you get the uh, access to the Discord, so we get some new people in the Discord. Uh, but we're doing a lot on Patreon these days, way more than I've ever done in the past. Um, I think it's because Kate's really into it. Yeah, and, I'm into uh, the Patreon. Yeah. No, you've like inspired me because I was just like, fuck it, done. But then Kate's like, no, let's do the news. Let's do this, this. And I'm like, all right, cool. So now we're starting to do a lot more stuff on there. Um, we're also kind of reworking the higher tiers and uh, kind of redistributing content. So we're doing some exclusive content on the higher tiers, such as our Sick and Wrong News segment. Um, we're also doing a uh, video hangout that we're going to do for the $20 Basalt Brigade people. There's a few of them out there that want to meet up. I'm going to try to schedule that next couple weeks. It's a little tough thing to schedule, though. It's a bit tough to schedule because we have all these people in different time zones. But the way yeah, I'm going to try and make it work. Yeah, the way I'm thinking it will work, we'll hang out for like 30, 45 minutes, something like that. Probably have to have do a, a midday beer. my time. Yeah, like I'm thinking yeah. it's going to be like a happy hour thing. Yeah, we'll you all know? have a beer together. We can all have, have a, a beer. Chat. We'll drink, chit chat, you know, show each other our foreskins. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but there's a lot going on there on uh, on on Patreon. But at the five dollar tier, I mean, if you just want to to sign up just for like the lowest, you know, well, lowest tier is two dollars, which is just a donation. But we have the five dollar tier. You do get an extra news story. You get extra phone calls. Um, was it this week we did the uh, Twisted Firestarters Afghan War <gasps> Stories? That was crazy. Was that this was week? Was that I this week? I thought, no, that, that was last week. week. Oh, last week. But yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Twisted Firestarter had these. Uh, he was he was stationed in Afghanistan. He he called them with some pretty amazing war stories. Hilarious stories. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, you do that and we get the outtakes. It's like almost a couple hours of content just at the five dollar level. So once you start going up, you get even more than that. And we do appreciate everybody supporting the show. Also at the uh, the ten dollar, ten twenty dollar level, you get the sick and wrong overkill, which is our bonus episode. Um, Kate actually this week is talking about one of her favorite bands, Slade, sharing some stories of Slade and sharing some real life stories, real life about- rock and roll stories about Drunk Dad, who was a rock yeah. and roller. My dad was a rock and roller. He was in a, a band from about 1965 to 73. And I mean, he toured with everyone. He toured with Led Zeppelin. He toured with Black Sabbath. But, but your Deep dad Purple, like, knew Tony Iommi, like personally. My dad and Tony were really good mates. They lived next door to each other. He even knew Lemmy, which is cool. Yeah, my dad was like, he wasn't as close to Lemmy, but like, I, I'm telling some Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin stories, and I'm also talking about why Slade are one of the greatest bands of all time. But Definitely you can skip through the, the Slade bands. songs if you do not like Slade. I know, you which gotta is like crazy. Slade. Yeah. yeah, you're an insane person if you don't like Slade. You're missing out on one of the best bands, best rock bands from the 70s. Um, so go check that out. Just go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong sign up today and get all this uh, extra stuff. Get a lot of sick and wrong, a lot of sick and wrong bang for your buck. Also, we got a T Public store. So if you want to get some sick and wrong merch, like a t shirt or other stuff that they have, they have a lot of stuff. They, they've like allowed us to merch, merchandise everything. They got like coasters and stickers and dildos and butt plugs, all sorts of stuff. Um, put our logo on it. Anyway, just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com <laughs> slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and you go to the uh, T Public Sick and Wrong store. And Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. This actually wasn't the original song of the week, but due to um, an unfortunate circumstance that happened this week, uh, we decided to switch it up. So, garage punk and rock and billy musician Dan Sartain 
died this week at the age of 40. Uh, Dan Sartain was a uh, a good friend of Kate here. Yeah, like I've had some some really good times chatting to Dan. Because we both had um, records out on the same label over here, Drunken Sailor. But other than that, the guitarist in Goldie Dawn, he's known um, Dan Sartain for like easily 20 years because they're part of like the kind of John Reese Rocket from the Crypt crowd. But Dan was such a cool guy. He was a barber. Um, yeah, he was a Ramones worshiper. And the world is like definitely lost. Someone cool. Very someone talented really, guy. Really so, good. so what really would happen? He committed suicide, right? Yeah, he can. Well, that's what they're saying at the minute that he went into his barber shop and um, committed suicide. Don't know how, but he just did. And yeah, I'm fu- I'm good about week. it. It's always like whenever anyone like kills themselves, I always just think, oh, what a fucking idiot. And I do think, Dan, what a fucking idiot. Because it was going to so be one point where sucks. our bands were going to, Goldie Dawn and Dan Satane were going to do like a tour together. We were going to do like a super group. The last time I actually talked to him, we were talking about what songs we would cover and what we would do. And it's like, it's so fucking sad that that's never going to happen now. And just... Yeah, it's a loss. The guy was very talented. Very talented. He was. He was great. And it's not just me who's going to miss him. There's so many more people out there who are going to miss him. And he's going to be missed on the scene. Yeah, no, I mean, he had... rock and roll scene, he was a a figurehead. Yeah, he had a major cult following, this guy. He did. So we're going to end the show here with a song they did called You Can't Go Home No More. It's from his album that I think was an upcoming record. I'm not sure if it ever came out. Arise, Dan Sartain, Arise. Um... But yeah, definitely a uh, very talented musician who will be missed. Rest in peace, Dan Sartain. People will be back next week with episode 784. Till then, take a sleazy. Yeah.
actually said uh, before we get started here i'll share this with the listening audience she said that she's making everyone do shots of it is she yeah for fun dude uh, well anyone who comes around to the house is being made to drink apart from jeffrey i bet jeffrey's running well she was like you can do a shot of it and i was like what the fuck am i gonna do a shot of my sister's breast milk it's breast milk that's going too far isn't it <laughs> yeah don't you think that crosses a line I mean, it does cross the line when it's your sister. It's all right if it's just like a random stranger and you're at a party and you think Even it's then, though, it's in the fucking, moment. How many? Okay. I think we hey, have all men's. Man. Do we have all men's in the uh, chat room here? Well, maybe. Who cares if it is all men's or not? All right. Yeah, well, I'm just going to ask the men's. Would you guys drink, first of all, would you drink your significant other's breast milk, like your, your wife's breast milk? Yeah, most men would drink their significant other's But would other's you breast try milk? your sister's breast milk? That's what I want to know. It's crossing a line, I think, when it's your sisters. I think so too. I th- I was like, I couldn't tell if she was being serious or not, but I was like, that's fucking gross. Do you know? Just be careful when you get when you go up there, and she gives you a cup of coffee. Do that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Natural milk. 